first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAfighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're all getting jacked up and excited for UFC 252 this Saturday night in Las Vegas. Stipe versus DC3 headlines that card for the heavyweight title. It's DC's final fight. Great co-main event. Great main card. I am excited for it. I am excited for this show. And on top of that, a lot has happened since we last spoke. I, I'm, All this facial hair just grew on my face. It's been that kind of a day, that kind of a week. But let's kind of run through what's been going on. UFC Vegas 6 is in the books. Derek Lewis finishes Alexi Olenek in the second round. It was everything that you kind of come to expect from a Derek Lewis fight. He looks good early, gets in danger, gets a break, comes out guns blazing, finishes Alexi Olenek in the slim, trim Black Beast, who is aiming to, I guess, be even more slim and even more trim. It's a bad man. Three wins in a row now. He's going to have his eye on Saturday night's title fight for sure, as will Curtis Blades, as will Francis Ngannou, who more than likely will get the next title shot regardless of what happens at the UFC Apex. I'm curious to see what happens if Daniel Cormier wins the title and goes off into retirement. Will they give Stipe the next shot? Will they do Ngannou Blades? Will they do Ngannou versus Lewis too to try to make up for that first fight? I don't know. Lots of fascinating storylines to come about after Saturday night. We also had Bellator 243 go down the night before, this past Friday night. And it was a huge night for Michael Chandler. He knocks out Benson Henderson in the first round of the main event. And he is now a free agent. And he has a ton of momentum and has a lot of options ahead of, ahead of him in a big way. I am very intrigued by this story. And as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about that in great detail in a matter of moments on the program, as well as another big moment that happened on Friday night at Mohegan Sun that got a lot of attention as well. But to add to this crazy news cycle, earlier today as we record this open, it is Wednesday night, way later than I normally record these, Paige Van Zant signs a multi-fight, multi-million dollar deal not with Bellator, not re-signing with the UFC, not one, not Ryzen. She signed it with Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship. And I have to say, this was surprising for a number of reasons. And let, let me just get this out of the way because I've seen some things on social media because people have been talking about it. And then I'm going to get a little more into the reaction of the signing itself. But as far as the timeline goes for the signing, this is this is what I've been told. This is what I know. 
a couple of weeks ago, there were a couple of reports on Twitter that said that Paige Van Zant going to BKFC was a done deal or very, very close to being a done deal. Now, trust me when I tell you this, when I or any of my colleagues see something like that, we do what all journalists do or are supposed to do. You don't go ahead and write it up as fact, you check it out with sources. And not just one source, you check it out with multiple sources. And a couple of weeks ago, as these reports are coming out, it caught my eye, caught everybody on the site's eye. So I spoke personally with multiple people, probably five, and I'd be willing to guess that 80% of those people, probably all five of them, would have confirmed this information to me had it been done. I was told consistently by everybody that a preliminary discussion had taken place between David Feldman, BKFC, Paige Van Zant, and her team. No offer was made, and that this was far, far away from being anywhere close to done. Today, or Wednesday, as we record, but it'll be Thursday as you hear this, Ariel Hawani of ESPN reported it as a done deal. We did what we normally do. We checked with the folks close to the situation. A lot of the same people that we asked before, they confirmed it was a done deal at that point. That's how it works with the news cycle. But it is a done deal now, and I am surprised that this happened. I'll also add that while I'm surprised, and, and I'll be honest, I'm laying my cards on the table here. While I don't love it, I'm not a huge fan of it, I get it. Big money like that, multi-million dollar deal to compete, go get it. So I guess all I'll say is I, I hope it works out. I thought for sure Bellator would be the destination. I think most people thought that with Paige's husband, Austin Vanderford, being there, being a rising star at 185 pounds for the company. I thought Paige was a no-brainer because not just you know not just to compete at 125 pounds a fight between her and Alina Lane McFarland would would do great numbers but she's got she's very good on the microphone when it comes to commentary she'd be great on the on the broadcast booth doing the you know kind of what Chael Sonnen does you know if Chael can't make it slot Paige in there I thought she'd been great at that but in the end it was a two horse race Paige went with the money and good on her and I and I want to see Fighters have as much success as possible, and hopefully Paige has as much success as possible in the sport with BKFC. That's all I'll say. I have no idea what the negotiations were actually like behind the scenes. I don't know specific numbers. I don't know what Bellator offered her. I don't know what her BKFC deal is. I'm told that it's pretty damn good, and most would probably do what Paige did. But here we are. I mean, <laughs> in the year of our Lord 2020, with everything that has happened this year, Paige Van Zant is a member of the BKFC roster. If you told me that at this time last year, if I came, if I was part of MMA fighting back then, I came on this microphone. And I said, "Guess what? Paige Van Zant, by this time next year, is going to be a member of Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships." You would never believe me. You probably would have thought I was nuts. You would have torched me. But here we are. This is as 2020 of a story as this gets. So I wish BKFC good luck with this deal. Wish Paige Van Zandt all the best with this deal. And huge news story. So there you go. Anyways, we have a fun show. Absolutely stacked lineup. So let's run down the guest list and then we'll get right to the first fighter that's going to join me. And on Tuesday, you probably you may have seen this already, maybe not, but I spoke with Colby Covington. It was scheduled to be released on this program 
which drops every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time. But he did offer some insight on the targeted booking with Tyron Woodley, which is being slated for September 19th. There's still some things up in the air. As you probably know by now, September 19th, that sticks out to you when it comes to the UFC because that's the date that Israel Adesanya is supposed to fight Paulo Costa for the middleweight title. As you've probably seen with reports, I can confirm this as well. There is talks that the UFC might move UFC 253, which was set for September 19th, back a week to September 26th in Abu Dhabi, which means the September 19th card in Vegas would be a fight night card, probably on ESPN, and that the plan would be, if that is the case, that Covington versus Woodley would headline that card in a five-round main event. And after getting Colby's take on the negotiations, where the fight is at, compared to some of the reports that came out, Colby said some things. We ended up releasing it early. So if you missed that conversation, we will re-air it on the back end of the program. Okay, it's going to be the very last thing you hear. So if you watched it, you can watch it again. If you don't want to watch it again, you don't have to. But if you haven't seen it, you can watch it as we wrap things up later on. He talks about Woodley, talks about the welterweight division, Usman versus Mazadal, how that all played out, Stipe versus DC3, and much more. And then my kid showed up in a Spider-Man costume. And I think Colby turned babyface, at least for a couple of minutes there. But uh, good stuff. That'll happen at the very end. On Friday, the brand new EA UFC 4 video game is going to be released worldwide. And social media has been buzzing about it. The early looks, the changes that have been made compared to UFC 3. And, you know, anybody that's on MMA Twitter right now, you've seen this topic. One of the big ones has been... The roster, who's on the roster, who is not on the roster. So I had the chance to speak with the creative director for the game for EA UFC 4, Brian Hayes, who is a big MMA fan. He's been in the combat sports world in terms of developing video games for a long time. Fight Night Champions, which is one of the coolest fighting video games that came out in like 2010, 2011. He was a big part of that game. So we're going to have a little conversation about the brand new UFC 4 game and a whole bunch of other stuff. I don't know jack crap about video games, but this is an educational one, at least for me anyway. So hope you guys enjoy that. Yusuf Zalal will join us after becoming the first fighter on the UFC roster to pick up three wins in 2020, defeated Peter Barrett via unanimous decision. He landed one of the most ferocious spinning back kicks that you will ever see in the first round of that fight. But Peter Barrett showing that New England grit and toughness. Always enjoy catching up with the Moroccan devil. We'll do so at the halfway point of the program. Speaking of Bellator 243, a young woman whose stock may have risen more than anybody else's, whether it be Bellator or the UFC roster, maybe Michael Chandler's up there as well, but compared to where she started to where she is now, I think Valerie Lareda's stock rose just as much as anybody else's. She returns to the program. She was actually one of the very first guests to ever appear on What the Heck here on MMA Fighting. She's back to recap her finish of Tara Graf, the dance, the crazy road to get to Connecticut for the fight. You'll hear that in around 30 minutes or so. But to kick things off, there probably hasn't been a name said more times over the last five or six days in the sport than Michael Chandler. Knocks out Benson Henderson on Friday, becomes a free agent, There's a lot on the line here. He gambled on himself, and the speculation has been absolutely rampant. 
since that finish of Benson Henderson at Mohegan Sun. Every show you have listened to this week, when it comes to MMA, more than likely discussed Michael Chandler's win, Michael Chandler's next move, where will he go, will he go to the UFC, will he stay with Bellator, is he going to one? With that said, let's see where the man himself is at. This came together pretty quickly, but glad we're doing it. Kicking us off this week on What the Heck, the man himself, Iron Michael Chandler. All right, Michael Chandler is here, one of the the biggest names in the sport right now after a huge knockout of Benson Henderson in the first round of the main event of Bellator 243, the former three-time Bellator lightweight champion of the world, about to uh, dip his toes into free agency, and he's kind enough to join me right now from Arizona. Michael, how are you? Man, I'm good, man. I'm, uh, as you said, in Arizona. I am not in my home. I am. Uh, we rented a little... A, a big home out here with a bunch of bedrooms because I got my, my family coming out, my wife's family coming out. We are on a 12-day hangout by the pool, sip some uh, some adult beverages, like blow off some steam. I haven't seen my family in 12 weeks, so the last, you know, the, the, the least I could do is give them 12 straight days. So, um, man, like you said, man, excited about life, excited to see what happens next. Yeah, c- congratulations on the win. It was It was a big one for you. You gambled on yourself paid off in a big way with a beautiful finish over a guy who hasn't been put away in a long, long time. After the win, you you wanted to sort of savor the flavor a little bit, but then all the chatter began and you became probably the biggest news story in MMA since then. What have these last five or so days been like for you? It's been crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, number one, as you said, you know, you talk about the pressure of gambling on myself. I mean, there was a, such a, an immense amount of pressure, you know. from You know, you understand it because you're indelved in the sport. Um but you don't quite understand it from the fighter's perspective. And then the fans, there's no way the fans could ever expect how much pressure is on you. You know, I mean, if, if I go out there and lose to Benson Henderson, my stock goes way down. If I go out there and even have a lackluster performance, beat him by decision or split decision, which Benson Henderson is really good at making you, making you not look that good. You, it's hard to be a dominant fighter against a guy like Benson Henderson. He's just too good. He's too solid everywhere. So I knew it was a huge gamble and it all worked out really, really well because as you said, Benson Henderson hasn't been finished in a very long time and finishing him from a Southpaw stance that nobody has ever seen me do in about in two minutes and nine seconds was, was definitely um, the right way to end a contract. And then just post fight speech, making sure every single heartbeat, every single person over the last 11 years at Bellator from the Mike Sarnoskis to, to Ian, to to Dean, to these people that you have no idea who they are, but they have impacted my lives from check-in to front of the house, back of the house, production, music, lights, the people who set up the cages, these people who I've built a relationship, who I've, I have all their numbers in my phone and we speak and we talk, you know, to let them know that if this is the last time that I stepped into that Bellator cage, you guys were part of this journey. You guys impacted me more than I ever, than I ever thought I could be impacted by kind of the people who weren't the high, high ups of an organization. And, uh, you know, here we are, man. And now, now the sky is the limit. Um, I, I didn't sleep for 36 hours almost because my phone was just blowing up and blowing up and blowing up people calling. And like, if I opened up my social media, it was like a thousand plus, like there was just so many mentions. It didn't even have the actual number on there. Cause it, it, it maxed out. So you can't get through them all. And you're just like, Holy cow, man. I'm just, uh, you know, well, Michael Chandler over here, man, what, what's going on? Why, why is everybody talking about me so much? So I think it's just been the culmination of this 10 years of people wanting to see me fight in the UFC uh, 10 or you know, 
in 2011, whenever I beat Eddie Alvarez and every single time my contract gets up, everybody wants to see me fight in the UFC. Now one FC is a huge player. Eddie Alvarez is over there. PFL is a huge player because they have, they have an emerging uh, organization and they have, they're, they're paying people really well with those million dollar tournaments. So tons of options and uh, just couldn't be happier. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned the options because you know, every outlet, every podcast, every video show, they're all talking about you. They're all speculating. Where's Michael Chandler going to go? And I know you're on vacation right now. You're spending time with your family, but is there a part of you? Or are you listening? Is your finger on the uh, proverbial pulse right now? Are you paying attention to what everyone's saying it is, right now? Man, and, 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 and my son doesn't understand it yet, but he will someday understand that, that men work. You know, I've taught him a couple things so far. Every young man falls, but every young man gets back up. And every man has to work. You know, those are a couple of things that I just like speak over him and I'll say every young man falls and he'll say, but every young man gets back up and you're just like, you know, you're teaching him these things. Right. And so he'll understand that daddy's got to work. My wife is the, the most supportive, most loving, most amazingly perfect person in the world for me. She is my human being. She is my better half. She is my, she is the reason I do what I do. And she understands that you ain't going to get me away from the computer. Of course I was going to take this interview. Of course I'm going to be on my phone a little bit. Of course we're excited about the future, man. Like this is, I've worked so hard and, and, and I, and I can honestly say if I was training for Dave Rickles, Brandon Gertz, or I was training for Eddie Alvarez, Will Brooks, Benson Henderson, Patricky Pitbull, it didn't matter who I was training for. I was training as if I was about to step in the cage with Khabib, as if I was about to step into the cage with Eddie again, as if, I was about to step into the cage um, with any of the top lightweights in the world. No stone unturned in my preparation, complete discipline, complete excitement about doing everything right so I can go out there and get my hand raised. So I'm listening. I'm excited. I am taking interviews. Phone is on. Phone is on. And uh, it's blowing up and big things are going to be happening in the next seven days, I would say. What was the buildup for this one like for you? Because you talked about the pressure and, you know, as you know, I interview fighters all the time. You and I have chatted multiple times over the years. If there is one person, Michael, one fighter that I've chatted with throughout my career that I would think would thrive with this pressure that came with this fight, free agency looming, you know, people questioning the the decision from the judges in the first meeting with Benson, Benson talking a little bit of trash along the way, trying to get under your skin. This seemed like it was right up your alley in a strange way, Michael, was it not? Yeah, you know, the crazy thing, Mike, to tell you the truth, is uh, is I wasn't taught to be like this, man. It was I was a small guy from a small town who had small ambitions, and I was taught to do very small things because venturing out across those county lines meant that you were going to put yourself out there and the chances of you falling flat on your face um, were very high. So don't take a chance on yourself. Don't, don't strive too high because if you strive too high, then there's just that, that, that greater likelihood, that greater chance that you're going to fall flat on your face. Somewhere along the way, I duct taped that little bo- that little guy from a little town to the, to the basement of my mind. And I was able to, to beat him down and put him in and corral him into a corner and turn into this man that God has called me to be because you know, Michael Chandler was still supposed to be flipping tires at Dobbs tires back in Jefferson County, Missouri, or flipping pizza back at Emo's pizza in, in Jefferson County, Missouri. You know, those, those are the things that, uh, those would have been just fine. I would have been just happy, but those are the things that, that were kind of, um, kind of put in, in my future. 
And to be where I'm at today on the cusp of, of something, I don't even know how big this is going to be. You know, I don't know what's going to happen next um, is really, really, really humbling. So for you to say that, I appreciate that because I really have turned into, I, I've built this, I've built this, this, this vessel into a, a guy who can thrive under pressure, a guy who loves, loves to be in hand to hand combat, loves and thrives in that the blood and the, the, the sweat and the, I mean, I passed out after the fourth round of my, in my, in that last Benson Henderson fight, woke back up and finished the fight. Like just crazy amount of stories, peeing blood and broken ribs and a messed up leg. And just like all these different things throughout this career that has turned me into the man that I am. And yeah, I thrived in it. It was scared to death. You heard me in my post fight speech. In my post post fight speech, I was scared to death because everything rode on those fifteen minutes. If I go out there and have a lackluster performance, my wife has less food on her table. My son has less money in his bank account for everything he wants to do for the rest of his life. Um, but it was time to go out there and perform. And, and man, just God by God's grace, like it worked out perfectly. And here we are. And um, I my spirits couldn't be higher. My heart is full and I can honestly say I'm in the best place mentally, physically, spiritually that I've ever been in my entire life. And it's a good time to become a free agent. And it's a good time for all these different organizations to, uh, to want to get a crack at this opportunity. Was that the most nervous you've ever been for a fight? I won't say, I won't say nervous because luckily, as I said, you know, like I'll go back to my, to the sport of wrestling, you know, every young fighter who's listening to this right now, please, I implore you, Get in the wrestling room. Put on those wrestling shoes. If you are young enough to join the, the middle school wrestling team, the high school wrestling team, do yourself a favor because you will never be in my shoes at in, in the sport of mixed martial arts and be able to compete at the highest level you possibly can without the sport of wrestling. It will 100% make you a better human being. Um, I competed thousands of times in wrestling. Big, big states. Jordan, Bur- Jordan Burroughs, Gregory Gillespie, Jordan Lean, uh, Mike Poeta, these big, big, big names in the sport of wrestling. And, uh, every single time the pressure was on. And, and now every single time that I've fought with the, whether it's Eddie Alvarez twice, uh, Will Brooks after losing to him, Brent Primus after getting injured, um, Benson Henderson twice. Now I won't say I was nervous because I was ready to embrace. I always say, God, just my, my prayer is always, I'm not praying for the victory. I'm praying for the opportunity to perform at the level at which I deserve to perform at. And then after that, secondly, not for the victory, but that all bets will be off and that I will just go out there and be okay with the uncertainty that's about to happen. Cause you're about to get tied onto a tornado for 15 minutes, 25 minutes. And I was okay with it. Benson Henderson went out there, came out strong and stood toe to toe with me and, and came at me, which was a huge mistake in, in, in his, you know, for him, it was a huge mistake and it, it worked out in my favor. I was able to go out there and get the finish in the first two minutes and onward and upward. Here we go, man. Obviously I, I'm not a fighter and I respect who you guys do, but I like to live vicariously through you guys every once in a while. Did you know when that left hand landed? Because Benson is super tough to put away, as you know, but were you like, Ooh, that was clean. This is a wrap. Like, did you just feel it? Did you know? It's funny, man. Like, Mike, I, I will tell you right now, I didn't even know that I hit him with the left hand. <laughs> I, I'm telling you right now, listen, first of all, when I go back and watch the fight, let's unpack it a little bit. When I go back and watch the fight, I am extremely happy with my progression. 
Number one, my poison and my and my composure after getting hit with some big shots by Benson and him and him almost confusing me because I thought he was going to run the whole fight. The whole fight. I trained with a training partner of mine, good friend of mine, Evan Elder, and he ran from me for 25 minutes every single sparring session so I could get a beat on him, cut him off, hit his body, hit his head, go high, go low, hit him with combinations. Benson Henderson was coming at me, so first of all, he confused me. Second of all, after the fight. I'm screaming, I'm pumped up. Greg Jones comes in, Henry Hoof comes in, and and I was like, Hey, what did I hit him with? And Greg Jones, my 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 coach, wrestling coach, said, You hit him with a left hand, and I go, No, I didn't. I don't <laughs> knock people out. I don't knock people out with left hands. Like I get like I'm an Orthodox fighter, maybe I hit him with a hook, but he's like, No, you hit him with a straight left hand. I'm like, What do you mean I hit him with a straight left hand? And then I go back and watch the fight. And I switched stances. I, I, I kind of got in there and realized that switching stances was going was gonna to work really well against him because I stung him two or three different times. Switching stances, keeping my combinations long, switching up, keep going high and low, touching the leg, touching the body, touching the head. And then when I threw that kick, landed southpaw, hit him with the one-two, he went down. And then obviously he was on his hands and knees and I, I threw that uppercut that hit him right on top of the head and kind of jarred his head back you know, did something with the spine and that's what put him out. And then it was a couple punches there, but Mike, I did not even know I hit him with a Southpaw straight left one, two, had no idea. If you, if you said, Mike, I bet you a million dollars you did it. I would have taken that bet right then and there in that case. <laughs> is this common for you? Like, is this the first time that you've, you've landed and finished a fight like that where you had no idea how it started? No, it is. It is because even you're just, you're in the zone. And it's funny too, because you know, you're thinking, you know, your brain is working. You know, you know, as an athlete, you are cognitively thinking about zigzag move footwork, you know, picking up feints, picking up, pick, picking up his feints, picking up his tendencies, picking up his habits. You're, you're downloading everything. So you're thinking, but when something happens that fast and then it's just elation, cause you got to remember, we were just talking about the pressure. I had, I felt like I had a 1200 pound gorilla on my chest and on my shoulders for the last five months knowing that I had to win this fight. So when Benson Henderson goes down, his eyes roll in the back of his head and I land down a couple and Dan Mergulata jumps on me. I'm not thinking about what I hit him with. I'm thinking about, thank you, God, that this <laughs> thing is over. Thank you that nothing bad can happen. Thank you that I can't uh, fail one of these coronavirus tests that we were, I mean, you know, that was the other thing. We're worried about passing a coronavirus test. If I don't pass or he doesn't pass, we don't get a paycheck. We don't get the fight. My contract and free agency gets extended another six months. Who knows? Um, so it is very common that you don't really know what happens um, in these in these exchanges. Whether it's maybe it's just me, but I, I hear about it a lot. You're just you're in the zone. You're thinking, but you're not you're not thinking with enough memory to be able to remember what the heck just happened. All you know is you're happy that the fight is over. Collect your paycheck, kiss your wife, and go just freaking chill out. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's actually super fascinating. That uh, I do hear that. I've heard that like once or twice, but to hear you say that after a finish like that is is pretty fascinating and surprising to me but what was interesting about friday night is like you know you knew the questions would be coming about free agency you didn't want to touch on it too too much on friday but what one question i did have was was how it worked with bellator like we see with the ufc sometimes when fighters get into free agency it's usually like a 90-day window before they can sign elsewhere there's options to match and so forth how does it work in your particular case like are you officially free to negotiate with other promotions right now or is there a waiting period involved 
Yeah, so there's a waiting period. There's a there's a waiting per- period involved. There's there's these certain boilerplate things that's in every contract from UFC to Pride back in the day, Strike Force back in the day, Bellator now, One FC. You know, um, there's an exclusive negotiation period. Um, hours is short, and you can also get it waived. I mean, at, at this point, you know, not that I'm not here to negotiate with Bellator. Like as I've said before, I love the idea of going to one FC, finishing the trilogy with Daddy, fighting across the world. I love the idea of fighting all the top ten guys in the UFC. I love the idea of staying with Bellator for the next ten fights, getting a job on the mic behind the desk, sailing off into the sunset, being the most decorated Bellator fighter of all time. I love all of those different options. But Scott Coker had the opportunity to sign me five months ago, six months ago, four months ago before this fight happened, and it didn't happen. So. There's really not a huge re- a huge time that we need to sit here and negotiate, Scott. You, you, had a, you had the opportunity. You let me go into free agency. You said I'm not 21 years old anymore, and I just finished your best lightweight, and you, I finished your best lightweight that, that you have on, on the roster besides me. Um, so I don't really understand, you know, why it needs to be any longer than right now. You know, like I think, let me go see what I'm worth. You know, I got phenomenal management. Dave Martin, Randall Oliven have been with me since day one. I've never once wavered that they are the best managers in the world. Uh, my manager is a, an attorney. He bulletproofs my contracts. He negotiates the best money, the best, the best pay, the best um, outside the cage things, um, outside of, uh, of the cage deals. So let's go see what I'm worth. What will 1FC offer me? What will PFL offer me? What will the UFC offer me? Maybe Dana says I suck. <laughs> You know, maybe Chatri's like, yeah, that, that you know, that 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 bell, or that uh, trilogy with Eddie is sounds cool, but yeah, we don't really want to pay you that much. Maybe that's the th- maybe that's the case. I doubt it, but let me go see what I'm worth. You know, I think on top of that too is, you know, Bellator's been your home for over a decade, and you've accomplished so much of them. You've won world titles. You've become the face of the organization for a long time, in a lot of people's opinions. And I'll say, which you probably heard at this point after keeping your finger on the pulse, the most common thing people have said when it comes to your free agency is that, yeah, they wouldn't be surprised to see you back in Bellator, but it doesn't seem like there's much else for you to do there. Like, you know, outside of maybe the Patricio Pitbull rematch, maybe the the, the, the trilogy fight with Brent Primus. But other than that, like you've kind of slayed all the dragons here. Is that how you feel in a way? Or do you feel that there's some more meat on the Bellator bone? I think there's a ton of meat on the Bellator bone. Number one, I love fighting for Scott Coker, Rich Chu, Mike Hogan. I love, I love fighting for Viacom. I love fighting um, for those the, the people there at Viacom. That's number one and number two. Number three, we ju- they just signed a deal with CBS, CBS Sports, and Showtime. So there's all kinds of stuff that could be happening there. I mean, don't I wouldn't be be afraid to throw on some boxing gloves and go get in a Showtime boxing fight. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be afraid to. You know, they're they're doing going to be doing co promotions just like we did Bellator kickboxing, Bellator cage in the same arena in one night don't be surprised if you see canelo showtime boxing actually or disown boxing or i'm sure it can happen michael chandler co-headlining two different cars i mean there's all kinds of different things that could be happening there um when it comes to co-promotion speaking of co-promotion i would love to go to ryzen i would love to win that ryzen belt represent bellator win the ryzen belt against uh tafik uh whoever the lightweight champion is there um mustafa or whatever his name is um, everybody wants to see that fight, especially in Asia, especially in, uh, the Eastern European, those Russian countries. Um, I want, I would love the, I would love the revenge against Pitbull. I would love the revenge against Patricio. Do I think I beat him nine times out of 10? 
Absolutely. Do I think I zigged when I should have zagged? Absolutely. Did he catch me and uh, the fight got ended? Absolutely. Do I love, do I love, or do I, do I have enough faith in Bellator to know that Mike Kogan and Rich Shue and Scott Coker are trying their hardest to continue to try to sign more lightweights? I do think they are. Uh, it just, it just, guys need to become free agents. Guys need to bet on themselves. I mean, a lot of guys don't, they didn't bet, a lot of guys don't bet on themselves and they actually become free agents. Not, not, I don't think there's been one free agent in the, in, for coming from the UFC or 1FC in a while. You know, everybody just keeps resigning and that's, that's fine. Everybody can just keep, they can do what they want to do, but you know, you can't necessarily put that onus on Bellator. Guys have to actually become free agents like I have now have an exclusive period with Bellator and then I'm going to be able to field offers from every other organization. So yes, I think there's still a lot of more meat, a lot of, a lot more meat on the bone, not to mention the emotional factor of the fact that I hold almost every single record in the organization. Um, there is a sentimental connection to me knowing that I am who I am because of what Bellator has done for me. And also the feather in my cap, knowing that Bellator is who they are because of the blood, sweat, tears, and uh, fights that I put on for them. So um, all, I know, all I know is it sounds like it's going to be such a hard decision, but I always make the best decision possible with the information that I have when the opportunity presents itself. And it, it's going to be no different this time. And I think in the next couple of months, we're going to, we're going to know exactly where I'm going to land and I want to fight by the end of 2020. Yeah. I think from a business sense, I, I knew there'd be some, some meat on the bone, the competitive nature. Cause I know how much you love to compete and you want the biggest challenges possible. And if you feel like it's there for Bellator, great. If, if there's going to be th th some things out there elsewhere, the rising idea is a good one, but you don't have to say specifically, but are you leaning one way or another based on like your gut right now? Like you still have to hear offers and, and see your worth and all that stuff, the business stuff and, and all those other things behind the scenes. But right now, is there a favorite in your eyes? Um, there, there isn't. And the only reason there isn't is because I actually haven't spoken to any organization. You know, um, I'm still under, when, when I'm under an exclusive negotiation period with Bellator, that means we are not talking to anybody. That means all these other organizations can reach out to my manager all they want, but my manager is a man of integrity. He's a man of principle. And as long as we are under this exclusive negotiation period, there's no talks of money, um, how many, how many days or months are on my exclusive period? How long this, what's Bellator offering? There is none of that because my manager, Dave Martin is a man of integrity and we want to operate with integrity now so that number one, everybody understands who we are and how we operate moving forward in good faith. Um, and secondly, the cream always rises to the top, never grow weary in doing right. You know, maybe it takes a little bit longer to get a deal done because we're not over here sending messages to one FC and UFC to like, to look at and scratch below the surface to try to find out what the numbers are going to be. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Like I said, I'm here in Arizona, hanging out with my wife, my family's on their way here in a day or so. I, all I have is time. I don't need, I don't need to do anything shady or against the grain or, or break any kind of contract finding contracts to, uh, to, to get through the delayed gratification period. Um, but as far as leaning somewhere, I would say I'm not leaning any direction because we haven't looked at elsewhere or spoken to anybody. However, I will say there is a ton in it. And I mean, a ton of fan pressure to go <laughs> to the U to go to the UFC, you know, to, or, and there's, and there's quite a bit out there, actually a lot more than you would think to go do that trilogy fight with, with Eddie Alvarez. So 
I've never once listened to the fans. Number one, the fans will, the fans will, uh, you know, give you a thumbs up here, but a, a nice little, you know, flipping the bird behind the back, you know, it happens. Um, there's also a ton of people out there who, uh, you know, whenever asked poses the question, who should Michael Chandler fight in the UFC first? They say, well, Michael Chandler would lose the USADA by first round knockout, you know, like, <laughs> so there's a ton of people out there still who think I'm not clean. They think I'm using drugs. You think I'm using PEDs. They think I wouldn't pass you USADA. It's almost as if I want to just sign with the UFC just so I can shut those people up because <laughs> I want people to see, I want them to look, I want the lens at which they look at the human spirit through to be optimized, to realize that the human body, the human spirit, the human condition was created for so much more than we give it credit for. And I've done nothing but beat this body down and build it back up for the last 20 years. So when you got Joe who works a nine to five and he, and he trades stocks and he, and he hits the gym twice a week and he doesn't like, he doesn't like his gains in the gym. So he, he accuses me of using steroids. You can't compare the two, Joe, you train twice a week. I train 26 times a week. You know, I'm training two, three times a day, six days a week. And I've been doing it for two decades. You know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where it's comical and it's also exciting because if I did sign with the UFC six months, one year, two years into the USADA testing pool, people are going to, people are finally going to be like, dang, man, that dude was clean this whole time. Maybe I am, a, maybe I am able to accomplish a little bit more than I thought I could. That's, that's hilarious. You really do see everything, which uh, is, is pretty hilarious because most fighters don't see listen, everything. Mike, listen, Mike, here's the thing. And I said this, I have had the luxury. Like I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy, you know, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not dumb. And I've had the luxury for the last 11 years to be the guy somewhat on the outside, somewhat on the out, the outside fringes, you know, not in the UFC, not, not in the organization that's been around for 25 years. Um, I've somewhat been on the outside, outside being able to study and see and look at and plot and plan and download all of this information of all of the stuff that works. You know, from the Conor McGregor who comes in and makes hundreds of millions of dollars to the guy like, you know, a guy who I fought years, years ago, Will Brooks, who I lost to, had a ton of talent, who came into the UFC, kind of mismanaged his career, and now he's gone, to everybody in between. I've had that luxury to be able to just sit back and plan. And I'm over here, I'm stacking my wins, stacking my chips, I'm chilling, I'm hanging, I'm enjoying, I'm employing extreme patience and I'm employing um, extreme delayed gratification. And I've just been watching, you know? So as you said, yeah, I see it all. I don't let a lot of it get to me because if I did, trust me, this phone right here would make me go insane. (laughs) Um, I don't let it get to me, but I am using it as a tool to plot and plan and see what happens next. So you're still performing at a very high level. You are like still kind of in the prime of your career despite the age. How long you got, man? Like, I I hate asking this question, but like, do you got like a four fight deal in you, a six fight deal? Like, do you think you'll be fighting beyond that? Because if there's anybody who could, it's probably you because you're such a maniac like that. But you know, where, where are we thinking right now? Honestly, man, I mean, I could, I I easily have eight to 10 fights left in me. I really do. And I really think that, And, and if I just, if I, if I just look at myself and think about myself, how I feel and don't think about my actual age, then I think, okay, eight fight deal, 10 fight deal. I'm pushing 37, 38 years old. My 37, 38 is a little different than a lot of people's. I have very little miles on me 
compared to a lot of guys. I mean, you look at some of these guys in these other organizations, you look at the, you look at the top five, top six in the UFC. Look at the last couple of fights Poirier has been in. Look at the last, look at the last fight Hooker was in. Look at the last fight uh, Tony Ferguson has been in. I'm not even going to mention Justin Gaethje. Like, look at these, look at the miles that these guys have been, have put in. I didn't even get hit my last fight. Didn't get hit the, the, the fight before that. Obviously I got dropped by Pitbull and got punched in the back of the head illegally a bunch of times, which is unfortunate. Um, but before that didn't get hit in the fight before I have taken very little damage in the last couple of years. I, when I say I live a, a clean lifestyle and I was training every single day as if I was fighting the number one lightweight in the world, that's nutrition, that's supplementation, that's sleep. That's things like cryotherapy, sauna therapy, um, hyperbaric chambers. That's things like Normatec boots. That's things like making sure that this body lasts as long as it possibly can, because the more, the more paychecks I can make one extra paycheck is X amount of dollars to be able to provide for my wife and son. So, um, I think I've got an eight fight deal left in me, a 10 fight deal left in me. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see me fight until I'm 40, because now you're starting to see how I can evolve and change. I used to just be a guy who ran forward a thousand miles an hour. Now I'm switching stances. Now my defense is a little bit better. Now I'm blocking punches. Now I'm going highs and lows. Now I'm gauging and, and, and governing the fight rather than just getting into a fist fight. And trust me, I just said this earlier, like I can't wait to get into a fist fight. Like, the thing that excites me most about fighting in the UFC in the top five, if that's a possibility, is the dog fights I'm going to get in. I want sets of stitches. I want my lips to be turned inside out. I want both my both my I want my nose and both my eyes to be to be swollen shut because I want to give the fans exactly what they want. You're becoming like the Tom Brady of MMA like right now. I love it. Getting better with age, man. I love it, man. <laughs> it, it it really is, and it's it, it's also not just me. It's it's a testament to to the hard work that my coaches put into me, my striking is a direct result of Henry hooped and not just his technique, not just his footwork, not just his combinations, not just his system, but the man, the leader, um, and the person that he is. He makes me believe that I can go out there and strike with anybody in the, in the entire world. Greg Jones with the wrestling, Kami Barzini with the, with the MMA wrestling, Corey Peacock with the strength and the conditioning. I got phenomenal people around me who are going to prolong this career and we're going to keep on we're going to keep on stacking titles man i'm only 3 titles in and this is just the beginning well i'm excited to see what is next for you i don't want to take up any more time just realize it's been about 30 minutes and you're on vacation with your family, man. I don't, want to, I don't want to hold you up any longer, but I appreciate you giving me so much time as always, being so open and honest about everything. And I think I know I'm not speaking by myself here. We are all very excited for decision day. I hope you like make a big thing out of it, Michael. Kind of like do it better should than I, LeBron. Should I, get a, should I get a hat? Should I get a hat? <laughs> like pull a hat and just be like, all right, I'm going. You know, I'm taking my talents country, too. I thought about it. <laughs> I thought about it, but I'm not, I, exactly. I've thought about it, but I'm not trying to, the fans will turn on you real quick. Like, who does this guy think he is, man? I just want to be like, Hey, listen, I signed with X and I'm going, here's my fight. Trust me, tune in because you're going to be on the edge of your seat. You're about to see if you didn't know me, if you didn't know me then now, you know me, I'm not here for a long time, but trust me, by God, I'm here for a good time. Let's go. You know, <laughs> it's been a few years since I've had the chance to chat with Michael Chandler and what better time than now to reunite. He, uh, Said he expects some movement to be made in the next seven days or so. I cannot wait, honestly, to see how this turns out. My gut is telling me that he's going to stick around with Bellator. And if he does, good for him. It's probably the best thing for his family. I, I would understand that. But selfishly, and just 
just for me, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this, I want to see him in the UFC. I want to see him in the UFC. Like, I think it would be kind of a miss overall on his career if we looked back at the resume of Michael Chandler and we never saw him fight in the UFC. Man, that would be rough. I would love to. I just I just want to see how he stacks up at 155. Wanted to see it for years. And now we have the chance to make it happen. Probably the best chance we've ever had. I want to see it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But I hope it does. Speaking of Bellator 243, let us chat with Master Valerie Lareda. She had the MMA world buzzing on Friday night and throughout the weekend. She's now 3-0 for Bellator and as a professional fighter. And it was great catching up with her back home in Miami. So let's get to that chat coming up for a big win this past Friday night right now. All right, we have one of the big winners from this past weekend back on the show, as I kind of faded out there, but she finished Tara Graff with a buzzer beater TKO at the end of the second round at Bellator 243. She's now 3-0 in the Bellator cage. Happy to be joined by Valerie Lareda, who was on the very first episode of this program back in the day. Oh. Valerie, how are you? Hi, I didn't know that. That's a, that's a cool fact. I'm happy to be back and with a win. There you go. Well, congratulations, first off. I remember... We talked about the emotions that came over you after your first Bellator win last year over Colby Fletcher, and then you know what you felt fighting at MSG. But I'm curious, was this the most gratifying and satisfying win of your fighting career to date? Um, I think it was just more satisfying for me because there was so much negative talk before my fight, and um, so I hadn't fought in a long time, so it was looking more of like a social media thing. But I was training so hard, and it was just. Really, it was really frustrating for me, but just hearing what people would say, you know, Twitter beef I had and about my TikToks and the way I am, you know, it just made it that much more satisfying and I had to be that much more petty after my fight. <laughs> <laughs> your, your first, the, the first two fights you had for Bellator, you were very aggressive, like the Larkin Dash fight, especially early on, that was just like an all out fist fight battle between the two of you. This time the aggression was definitely still there, but this was a more like reserved aggression than we had seen from you. A lot of movement, a lot of patience shown. How important was that for you to kind of show that side of your game, that I guess more calculated approach, so to speak, that you showed on Friday? Well, I'm very hard headed. So if it was up to me, I would have just gone in and brought with her, but, you know, I stuck to the game plan that my coaches had for me, and we knew she was going to be extremely aggressive and try to take me down the whole time. So it was just a mental battle with myself. Stick to the game plan, you know, circle, piece her up, and knock her out with a big punch. The buildup to the fight, as you sort of alluded to, it took off very quickly, especially in the days leading up to the fight. Like, during the virtual media day, you seem to have a bit of a chip on your shoulder because of that. And I know you're dealing with a lot of stuff heading in, which we'll get into in a moment, but is that accurate that you felt like you had a little more to prove a little more of a chip on your shoulder this time around? I was really nervous, like really, really nervous because I had faced a lot of adversity that week before that fight and I was about to pull out, you know, so I had a chip on my shoulder. And on top of that, I felt like I had so much to prove. And I also felt like if I could go through what I went through and come out, winning and come out doing something spectacular this will prove to me that i could go through anything in my life and still be successful in my career so it was i had a chip on my shoulder and you know i'm petty and i don't say anything and i stay very quiet until the opportunity i have to just show her face in the cage and that's what i did Tara obviously had some things to say about you heading into the fight about the marketing and the social media. We're not going to talk social media here specifically, but 
I know you addressed that a little bit after the win, but was there something specifically that she said that got you a little more fired up than usual? Yes, because she said that the way I promote myself was demoralizing to the sport. And then I, when I heard that, it was over for me. Like, I'm crazy, and I was going to go in there to kill her, not to just hit her soft, just to kill her, because I don't, I don't take that. And I didn't want to do anything over social media first. I just wanted to make it seem like it wasn't getting to me, because I'm an emotional person, and I could be an emotional fighter. <laughs> So I, did, I wasn't letting that get to me until the cage, you know, and then in the cage, I, I proved my point and I shut her up and I shut a lot of people up. Has that happened to you before when you took on an opponent that, that, that talked trash like that, that took shots at you personally to try to get under your skin? Is this the first time that happened or has that happened before? No, this has happened to me a lot before in my life. But the thing is that this girl was harassing me literally every day since January, since I had to back out of the fight because of a torn MCL. Every day she was harassing me. Every day I would open Twitter and see her stupid name. Every day I would see her post stuff and at me and stuff. And it was just annoying. She was so annoying. And I was just so excited to just break her face. So I just, I kept that in my head. I didn't let it get to me because I could get very emotional. And every single day she would harass me. I'm so happy I don't have to see her name come up anymore. But I just, I let it out of the cage. I'm crazy. You can't mess with me like that. So as as you mentioned on Twitter after the fight, your manager, Abe Kyle, also mentioned it. You were dealing with a lot heading into Friday night, one of which was you got into a pretty gnarly car accident the day before you made the trip to Connecticut. What happened there on the expressway? Because the po- the photos of the car were, were pretty gnarly looking. Yeah. Um, that's not even the hardest thing I went through that week, but I don't want to talk about that now. But the day before I left, I had finished training an American top team. I was close to my weight already, like my the weight that I leave at. And I finished training, I showered American Top Team, I blow dried my hair, okay? And I was on the way back um, from Coconut Creek and I was driving on the highway and it was a merge and I was in front of the guy and it was a huge, huge, huge toll truck, like huge. And he was driving super, super fast. So he tried to pass me on the merge Okay, and I freaked out because I had no more space and I tried to break that he didn't realize that my car was there and his whole, the whole back thing of his truck hit me and I went spinning into the side of the rail and I broke as hard as I could and I braced as hard as I could and I stopped right before like the metal and I swear to God, if I would have hit that, I would have flipped or something. But I got hit on the whole side of the car, super strong impact. And as soon as I just braced, like if I was getting punched or something, I just, as hard as I could. And like the only thing I thought about was like getting my hand raised and this can't be happening to me. And it was just really bad. So on top of that, I had to wait there for three hours for the cops and the ambulances and everything. And I'm like, I, there's no way I could win this fight when something like this just happened to me. Literally, I, I leave at 8 a.m. and it's it's 9 o'clock at night. I'm like, I can't be dealing with this right now. I can't be thinking about this right now. There's a girl who's about to go into the cage to break my face and I'm dealing with a problem like this. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't think I would be able to pull through because it was just so much and my car, it was just, it was bad. But then I spoke to a sports psychologist and my manager's sister and they talked sense to, into me. And, you know, they're like, badly things like this happen to everybody. Because I thought it was like a sign from God, like telling me not to fight or something. Because that had never happened to me like that so bad. 
And I was like, you know what, Valerie, if you could overcome something like this and go into the cage, nobody has to know anything. Pretend it didn't happen. Put those emotions aside and use those emotions in the cage. Transfer that energy into the cage. And that's exactly what I did. It was a tow truck that hit you? Yeah, it's like huge. <laughs> like, I have pictures. Oh, my God. Was there anybody else in the car with you? No, it was just me. I was coming from ATT. I was happy. My hair was done. I'm like, okay, it's fight week. You know, I'm leaving in the morning. I have to go home. I'm back. <laughs> How close were you to actually pulling out of the fight? Um, on Wednesday, so I left Sunday. Wednesday, I had a huge problem happen, which I can't talk about yet, but really, really bad. And that's when I was about to pull out of the fight. And then two minutes after I got home, um, Bellator posted my fight. And I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Either I let this get to me and I let this, what happened in my life, control my future, or I face adversity. I'm not a victim. I overcome it. And, you know, people don't like victims. People like people who overcome um, certain situations in their life and they're still successful. And, you know, I spoke to a psychologist and got my mind right. My mind wasn't there. And I said, no, I texted Abraham that night. I go, no, I'm going to fight. Everything better now, at least? Yeah. We don't have to get into specifics, but everything's better now? Yeah. Everything is good now. And, you know, I feel so much peace after this fight. I proved a lot to myself which is most important. Um, after this fight, I know I could face anything in my life and get through it. You know, my mom was a leukemia survivor, and that's what I kept telling myself. Valerie, your mom survived leukemia, bone marrow transplant, to be there for you and your sisters. You know, these things that happen to you are bad, but there's people who their family members have passed away and, and have had major problems before the fights, and they still fight, you know? So I just kept that in my mind, and I know I'm young, but I had to really, really mature in that moment take control of my life and my career and say, I'm going to do it and I'm going to win and I'm in control of my fight and I'm going to win and there's no plan B. There must have been like a giant weight lifted off your shoulders when the fight was waved off on Friday night because, you know, we saw the emotion after the, the, the Colby Fletcher win, but with everything you had to deal with, that must have felt incredible, did it not? It's, it's not fighting for a year and four months or six months, whatever it was. Going through the reality show, losing so much weight, you know, having that problem I had, having my car crash, you know, my family went through a huge, um, my parents went through a huge divorce last year, and people don't know that my dad's always been my instructor and by the cage, my, my parents went through a huge divorce, my family completely separate, like, just so many life changes at a very young age when I'm trying to be someone in my career, and I could have lost myself, and I could have gone the bad route, but, you know, I'm just so proud of the way that I was able to just keep one thing in focus, and it's it's what I really want for myself, and it's to prove the world that I'm a high-class martial artist, and I'm a competitor, and every day during quarantine, I trained as much as I could. I lost the weight close, so when Bellator called me, I could make weight. I did everything right, but I did um, face a lot before this fight, and people were talking so bad to me before and stuff, but if they only knew what I've been through at my age and how hard it's been for me to get here, my family is doing rich, you know? Um, I, I've done this on myself and it's all been for, for my family and my legacy and, 
and here I am. But this fight was just emotions. People who don't know the background don't understand why I dance like that. But I dance like that because I'm petty. You know, you talk shit about my dancing and I'm going to dance and do 50 TikToks after because that's the way I am, you know. So, I don't know. It was just the most satisfying feeling that this just asserted to myself, value your competitor, what you do in the gym, the people you train with, you know who you are. Don't let anyone tell you. Otherwise, you know who you're going to be in the sport and you know you're going to be champ. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned the dance because that's what kind of one of the the big things that stuck out about the night because I host I was hosting a live post fight show after the UFC event on Saturday and we take like viewer questions and stuff and one of the viewers asked whose dance was better Valerie Laredes or Valentina Shevchenko's and personally <laughs> it was hard for me to say because I'm not like a dance judge or anything but one thing I did notice was the respective dances come from two different places like Valentina's is just like a pure dance of joy i mean your show showed some joy too but it seemed like to me this was just more of a dedicated to the haters kind of a dance it was a sort of a message to the critics it was like a deal with that kind it of was a thing most spiteful, right it was like you wanted to talk shit about my dancing now i'm gonna dance for five minutes and i'm gonna dance salsa i'm gonna twerk i'm gonna do everything <laughs> i'm not well like this is how i am in my life though with everything and it's just funny that in the cage that just came out. I didn't plan that, but I knocked her out. I had to scream at her because I, I really didn't like her. Genuinely, I really didn't like her. And I'm always so respectful and polite, but just the ratchetness came out of me and I couldn't control it. I loved it because you were <laughs> you were talking some smack afterwards, but then you still went over the martial arts and you came I, out, you went over and you bowed before her. You have to be professional. You're a master, but... At the same time, like, I don't disrespect anybody. She disrespected me. I didn't give her one word. So th that was my time. I had I had to. I couldn't control myself. I feel out of all the fighters who competed over the weekend between Bellator and the UFC, in terms of, like, stocks rising, I feel like yours rose as much, if not more, than anybody else on either card. Have you sort of felt a, a bit of a momentum switch since Friday night? No, definitely. You know, I... Okay, the thing I didn't, I'm very good at capitalizing on moments, right? So when I found out I'd be the first girl to fight on the Bellator card since the quarantine, um, you know, everybody's at home, they have nothing to do, they do little watch parties, you know, everybody's going to be watching these fights, right? We're, we're live sports right now and people don't have that at home and Bellator is giving me this opportunity. But I knew that if I did something impressive, you know, my stock would go up. And not like this. This is another level of, of just, it went viral everywhere, you know? Everybody in Miami is, is going crazy. People, I, I've been here, I got to the airport, everybody was clapping. I'm like, oh my God, everybody watched my fight. It makes me so happy because this is what I do it for. I'm an entertainer. I'm a performer. I have a message to send to the world and people are starting to get it. Was it almost better just for this kind of a fight to, to have it in the empty arena? Like, obviously, you feed off the noise and the energy and stuff, but because this got so personal, there was sort of a, like, a raw, gritty quality to it that sort of enhanced it even more. What did you think of, like, the empty arena field of this fight? Oh, my God, it was so much fun. Because, <laughs> I don't know, I felt like it was just so personal and so close. And, you know, in Taekwondo, I'm used to fighting with not a lot of fans either way. So that didn't even make a difference for me. But it was fun because I had my sister right there. I felt like if we were my dad's taekwondo score, we were at ATT, just, just I was about to do a sparring. It made me a lot more, like, 
comfortable in that moment, especially because I was going through so much. Just my emotions, I was able to control it better. And, you know, my sister was there with me, my coaches. I heard them perfectly. Um, it was just so much fun. And then after we were dancing, it just, Bellator is amazing. The production's amazing. And I'm just so grateful to them. Is your sister usually in your corner? She's always on my fights, but this is the first time she's in my MMA corner. But she's been in my Taekwondo corner since we were babies. Like, this is what we do. My sister knows me better than anybody else. And my sister is also a high-level Taekwondo fighter. My sister is better than me in Taekwondo. I could say that. She could lift her leg up and do 50 million kicks. My, and my sister's gorgeous. So, and she does collegiate Taekwondo. And my sister knows me as a fighter. And this whole fight week, we were chilling. We were She was ordering room service. We were watching shows. We were watching Netflix. Like if we were in a beauty pageant, like if we were in a cheerleading competition, and then Friday we're like, well, Nati, it's time to fight. Let's get ready. <laughs> <laughs> we just got cute. We put on our matching, because she was wearing my matching top to my fight clothes. And um, I did my little makeup before the fight, and, and we just... This is what we do. We just go, we fight, we win, and we come back. <laughs> I know uh, Jorge Mazadal shouted your praises on Twitter, but I know you've built a, a really strong relationship with Yuani and Jacek. You helped her train for the Zhang Wei Li fight, which was an epic battle, one of the greatest fights of all time. Did did Yuana reach out to you to congratulate you on the victory? Yes, of course. Joanna's so proud of me because Joanna told me that I'm going to be champ. I just need to stay focused and and not listen to what anybody says to me. And she knows I was nervous coming into this fight, but yeah, she reached out to me and I showed her Tara before the fight. I sent her Tara's videos, Joanna, what do you think, whatever. But uh, Joanna's been a huge role model to me in the sport. You know, I respect and I admire her so much. So you're 3-0 and now, you, you mentioned it, you love building upon momentum, you do it very well. How do we build upon this? Have you thought about when you maybe want to get back in there and do it again? Yeah, November, December, I'll be back. As you know, there are always people out there who are going to downplay what you do in the sport, whether it's you or anybody else. And one of the primary things that I've heard is, you know, when is she going to get a step up and, and take on a real fighter? I mean, you're 3-0, and you're 22, you're like just getting started here, so people need to slow their roll a little bit. But I think Bellator does a really good job of developing talent. So what is your sort of idea, your plan when it comes to your progression and building your way back up there? Well, I trust Bellator and I trust my manager. And um, I feel people don't realize and they don't understand I am 22 years old. I'm one of the youngest in this sport, okay? I'm only 3 and 0 and amateur, I had three fights, but I've been fighting Taekwondo since I was a baby. So I've been doing this my whole life. It feels the same to me. So yes, I do have my Taekwondo background. And yes, I'm fighting for Bellator, one of the biggest MMA platforms in the world. But I'm 22 and I'm 3 and 0. And if it were up to me, I would rush and stuff. But I just need to trust my management. And Bellator, they make the right decisions for me. American top team has developed me into the MMA fighter I'm showing in the cage right now. I'm working at Connect. We're going to continue going the right way, the right journey, and everything comes at its time and its moment. And when it's time, I'll have that belt. Uh, to be 22 again. You're <laughs> 15 years younger than me. It's so wild to even say out loud. But I forget my age. I feel like if I'm 30, like I feel like if I'm super old as a fighter in the sport because I've just been getting hit for so many years. 
you got that life experience, that's for sure. Well, now that you're back home in Miami, we're days removed from the big win. You know, you've let it kind of sink in a little bit. What's the the message to your fans, the people that support you, and even the haters and the ones who doubt you? What do you want to say to everybody? Okay, there's people, either you understand me or you don't. I feel like there's people that understand me and there's people that they don't get me. But I understand myself. And sometimes I think I'm a genius and sometimes I think I've just been hit too many times in the head hard. But I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm capable of. I know I'm gonna be the champion. I know that no matter everything else I do in my life, what I always prioritize is training harder than any other girl out there. So yes, I'm only three and all, but I have huge potential. You know, I don't listen to what anybody says. I'm extremely confident in myself my skills and who I could be in this world. And no one is going to change that. Well said. Amazing performance, Valerie, especially with everything you had to deal with. I appreciate you giving me so much time today. Congratulations again. You have great momentum right now. And uh, I think I speak for a lot of people. We look forward to seeing what is next for you. So all the best to you, Valerie. Enjoy some fun in the sun and enjoy the victory. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. On to the next one. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Valerie. Great stuff right there from Valerie Lareda. Listen, she's young. She's getting her feet wet in this crazy sport of ours. Of course, she's easy on the eyes. I mean, I'm married, so, I mean, whatever. She's got a little sassiness to her, as you heard in that conversation, that's for sure. She's got that attitude, right, that that, that people can kind of understand, especially now in 2020, but she's, she's getting it done. She's making a name for herself. Whether you like her, whether you don't, there's not a lot of gray area with Valerie Lareda, and I think that's what's going to make her very successful in this business. And if you're Bellator MMA, you're not going to take the WWE approach and listen to the fans. There's no need to rush her. These are the kinds of fights that she needs to continue to have. 4-0, 5-0, 6-0. Let's keep building up, build that confidence, and then you know, start testing her a little bit more, keep her progressing, and then we'll see what she's got. But big night, big weekend for Valerie Lareda this past weekend. Excited to see what is next for her. Same can be said for Yusuf Salah, one of the most infectious personalities in our great sport. He's now 3-0 in the UFC. All of those came in 2020. And guess what? A little trivia question. Yusuf Salah is the only fighter on the UFC roster who can say that. The only guy with three wins in 2020. Coming off his big win over Peter Barrett at UFC Vegas 6 on Saturday night. Here he is, the Moroccan devil, Yusuf Zalal. Yusuf Zalal is back on the show after becoming the first UFC fighter to pick up three wins in 2020. Short notice, no problem for the Moroccan Devils. He defeated the super game Peter Barrett this past Saturday night at UFC Vegas 6. Yusuf, you rookie of the year contender you. How's it going? (laughs) Pretty good, man. Thank Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Absolutely. This has been such a crazy year in the sport and around the world, and you've been super active. You're winning fights left and right. Does it even feel like you've had three fights this year or is it like one giant fight that's lasted six months? Man, it is very weird. You know, you fight, you fight the first fight and you're like, oh, it's UFC debut. You, you got to start the John Jones, Reyes cards. You know, it was like, you know, it's unbelievable feeling, you know, like you feel so much like, oh my gosh, like this is finally here. And then all the pandemics happened and you're like, well, what the hell, man? There's two. I had two fights in in six months. I mean, in six weeks. 
six weeks total, and you're like, you look at it like, are you kidding me? Like, yeah, like almost like can't believe it, you know? And almost I like, can't believe it, but I was like, hey man, uh, if they give me the opportunity, I, I won't say no. Like I said before, man, I'm I'm just happy and blessed and and grateful for the, for all the opportunities that I have. This fight in particular with Barrow is one that I had circled. I actually said on our preview show that this was my under-the-radar fight of the night, and in the first round, you land this gnarly <laughs> spinning back kick to the face, and it was as clean as could be, and we thought you were on your way to your first finish, your first bonus, a nominee oh for knockout God. of the year. What the oh hell God. is going through your mind when you land that kick and then the fact that Barrett was... I guess as slippery as his nickname suggests to survive that whole thing. So I was like, I was like in the fight and during the fight, I was like, you know, I'm just about to feel myself like moves. And then I moved to the middle. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw this. I usually don't throw this because I get like, I get so terrified about people thinking about back or something like that. I was like, no, let me just, let me just move around. And then as soon as I turned around, landed it, I literally looked at him for like a second. I don't know if you guys seen in the like the fight. I looked at him. I was so shocked. I was like, "Are you kidding me? Did it actually land?" And then I was like, "It hit him." I was like, "Okay." Like you said, I was like, "Oh my god, this is gonna be my first finish ever in the UFC." While I'm hitting him, this is while I'm hitting him in the ground. And I was like, "Oh!" I was like, as soon as he got up, I was like, "This son of <laughs> this son of a god just got up." I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "I was like, I had to stay control. I had to stay professional." I was like, "Come on." Come on, keep up, keep up, keep up, stay at it. But he, he was a tough guy, man. He was definitely a tough guy. There were some some big strikes and big finishes throughout the prelims, and yours was still the strike of the night despite not getting the finished. But then Vanille Darius had to come in and upend you. So he oh, even took the he even took the he didn't even have the strike of the night after landing that kick. It's nuts. Oh God. Yeah, he's uh he's he's a dangerous guy, man. He 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 can fight, I'll tell you that. Best win thus far in the UFC. I mean, the debut was great. It was a dominant decision win. The Jordan Griffin fight was super gritty. You had to overcome a lot to get your hand raised against a wily veteran. Saturday night, you got to show a lot more of your arsenal, I think. What, 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 do you think this is the best overall octagon performance, in your opinion? It's better than the last fight. That's how I feel about it. You know, that's that's my my goal was to come in and that fight it was like, I, I, all I wanted to do is perform better than the last fight. And uh, during anything, uh, during the fight week, during the weight cut, during everything, that was the best from last uh, from the last fight. And that's what all I cared about was from my, my mentality going to that fight, I was like, I got to listen to the coaches. I didn't listen to the coaches the last fight. And I got to just like, just be, you know, just be me, but still be out there, you know, have fun, you know, don't, don't get too like into like my head, you know, like, nah, just, just have fun. And that's, that's the main focus, and yeah, and I, I don't think I still have my best fight yet, you know, and we'll see that in the future. So the Griffin fight meant a lot to you, not just because of the win, but you took a lot away from that fight, it looks like. Exactly, yeah, and that's what it exactly meant to me, you know, I was like, I walked in there, and I was like, man, that's not, that's not, that's not, like, completely me, you know, and I was like, I wanted to weedy. it was weird, I always have fun in fights, you know, and fights that I don't have fun, they come out to very, like, close or like got a fur, uh, face adversity a little bit and stuff like that you know so for me it was like that i hated that feeling you know i want i did not want to do that feeling i want to have fun even when i'm facing adversity like okay you take my back take this and that but i'm having fun because it's a fight it's it's what i love to do and that's what i took away from that fight 
you had fun on Saturday night. You guys both had fun on Saturday night. You guys were having oh, a yeah. blast in there. You were talking to each other. Peter Barrett got kicked in the face on national television. He's on his back laughing. He's laughing. I, I was I was blown away by that whole thing. It was like a little party in the cage between the two of you guys. Like, what were you guys saying to each other in there? Was there anything that like stood out that that you remember? So in the second round, when I took him down, uh. I th- I th- actually, it was the third round, I think. It was the third round. I took him down, and he looked at Joe Lozon. I was going for the head and the arm intro, and then I don't know what they were saying. They said something about, like, get out, like, hips up, and get out, get your arm out. And as soon as he got out, he's just laughing. And then, like, you can see in the camera, he's just laughing, and he looked at Joe, uh, He said, I love you, Joe. And I was like, I love you too, Joe. <laughs> You're a legend. <laughs> I said, this is the middle of a fight. And then I was like, that... Peter was we talking to me in the second round. He was like, before the fight started, the second round, he was like, oh, I love this. This is fun. This is fun. And I was like, in my own head, I was like, this fool is crazy. Like, this is fun. This, like, bro, this is <laughs> like, you get, you get, you get your ass whooped and you tell me fun. I was like, but that showed me how, uh, how much, uh, how much that he loves this sport and really how much he's, is into this sport. And that's, like you said, it made it a great fight. So I, I, I thank him for that. I thought your the performance was great. I thought your post fight interview was phenomenal. You you have that like infectious personality, and you and Felder were going back and forth. And then you dedicated the win to Devonte Smith, who has really had a tough year with with his loss to Kama Worthy, the injury, trying to recover and get back, and then losing his sister recently. Just so much has happened over the last and year for that guy. His grandfather too, and his grandfather too. Like, what did that mean to you to? to pick up a win for a teammate that has gone through such a rough patch as of late? Uh, man, you know, it means a lot. You know, like you said, it's like w- there's a lot in this world that's going on. Like it's not just your teammates. You know, there's a lot of people that's going through a lot, you know, especially COVID. You know, there's people not working, not having a job, like barely living. And, you know, there's there's so much. Like you can, as a person, as a I can only do so much, you know, that's what I feel like. I want to help so much, everybody else, but I can't, you know, but I just know how much he, he, he was going through, you know, it's like you lose a fight that was pretty much like he was in the main e- event in the SPN uh, prelims twice, you know, they were, they were promoting this kid, you know, and he was in, in all our eyes and he's still in my eyes, still like one of the, the best guys will be upcoming, you know, like this guy is, is, is amazing. Like when it comes to his talent and just, his dedication and all that stuff. So for me to see how his sister got killed and his, like you said, the injury took like nine months, you know, like that's like, like for me, if that, like that happens, like I'm glad that I have the circle that I have, because if not, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. Like, you know what, what's going on? Like I just got like, I just got like, I was out for nine months and I'm still barely training. I can't train, you know, like you're out for nine months and then your sister dies and then your grandfather dies. Like, What's like, what is it else to do? You know, that's how I feel, you know, but that's why I wanted to have that, have the circle that I have around me and I want to send it to him, you know, and have that circle around him. So it kind of feel like not left alone. You know, there's, there's a whole team and there's a whole teammates and family and like brothers are, are in here supporting him. And that's, that's what I really wanted to do. I know his family going through a lot, especially his mom, you know, and all that. So I just wanted to make you know bring a smile to their face and that that was the main thing you know and you don't get a lot of smiles lately so might as well give them a little smile it's it's kind of weird because i I mean i've done a lot of interviews this year i interviewed Devante like literally the morning before everything went down with his sister and we had a great conversation about him 
trying to get back where his head was at and everything he's gone through since the loss. And then to have this all happen, it was just, it just blew me away when I found out the next morning, you know, we, we had already put the episode out and I was like, Oh my God, we have to like do something. So we yeah. posted the GoFundMe and added all that. But have you spoken with Devante since Saturday? Yeah, actually I spoke to him the same day. I, I called him. He's the first one I called after the fight. I was like, I told him, I went up to, I called him. I was like, man, I want to see you soon. I want to see you fight in 2020, man. I know you're going through a lot and this and this and that. And, and that's it. And I was like, we just left it in there. He's like, yeah, man, I saw you. I'm proud of you and stuff like that. And I was like, I appreciate it, but I can't wait to see you, you know? It's just like a little motivation, man. You know, like you always need a little motivation sometimes, you know, especially when you're going through a rough time. But what can you do, man? I told him everything happens for a reason, man. It's, it, this is going to make you better. Trust me. Well said. It was, uh, you know, obviously a great win for you. It was a great week for Factory X. Dustin Jacoby got the ball rolling, getting a contract on the Contender Series. You followed up with a great performance of your own. Pretty good uh, five days for the squad, was it not? Oh, yeah, man. I, so I, I flew to Vegas uh, Thursday, the, the week before my fight, just to corner my teammates, Jonathan and Chris Gutierrez. And then uh stayed there uh, for my whole fight week so i was there, i was in vegas for forever like since like i think it was like 10 days or so so it was like it, it was pretty good to to make it worth it you know like you stay 10 days and it's it's one of the best 10 days you can stay you know so that was that was pretty cool to see true or false if there was an award for the loudest fighter who is also a <laughs> corner man in the ufc you win hands down right <laughs> Not the loudest fighter, the loudest corner. The loudest, loudest corner, corner, for sure. Yeah, loudest corner, for sure. But not, Man, this is twice. This is twice I get. I get uh, last year when I cornered Jonathan again. <laughs> it was Jonathan again when I cornered him. I, uh, the Factory X uh, sent me a tweet that says, uh, congratulations to Factory X, but Factory X has the most loudest annoying corner. Man, I was like, I was like, man, fuck you, man. I was like, I was like, <laughs> I gotta make sure they hear me, bro. <laughs> I make sure they hear me. And it was twice with Jonathan. Twice with Jonathan. So I was like, man, this is this is when we went to the back for the interviews, they were like, okay, Jonathan, because Jonathan was not speaking at all. So like they were they were trying to make him talk. And then Jonathan's like, they asked him, they're like, You must have the loudest corner. Like everybody heard you since the law. And he was like, Yeah, he's very loud. I was like, Thanks, bro. Like, really? I was like, but not the, not the loudest fighter, though. Not the loudest fighter, though. Don't put that on me. They gotta they gotta come after me after that too now. <laughs> well, loudest loudest fighter as a as a quarter man, I meant. But uh, and, and a funny story about the the post fight scrum with Jonathan. That was my colleague who asked that question, and guess who gave him that oh question? <laughs> I missed him. I said, I said, Jonathan's kind of a shy guy. I was like, ask him if Yusuf Zalal is the loudest corner man in the UFC. So, so it was you guys? Oh, my God, bro. I can't believe you guys did that to me. I can't believe you guys did that to me. I was called. I, I, you can hear my voice, by the way. A lot of people said you can hear my voice from the press conference. I was like, man, what the? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? I was like, this is this is bad. This is bad. But it I was, didn't... It, it was funny because I didn't really hear you in the Gutierrez fight, but the Martinez fight, I heard you like loud and clear. I even tweeted out. I was like, I was like, man, I was like, <laughs> I didn't even have to see Yusuf Zalal and I knew he was in Jonathan's corner. Oh, trust me. They say, they say that in practice in here too. Like I know Brandon, uh, Brandon told me this like, just like, like a week ago. So he's like, uh, he's like, I don't, I don't even have to have you in the corner. Like, because you know, in LFA, we used to have the corner, like he has his corner and Mark, busy and other guys and then i used to sit like in the tables that was by the cage 
And this fool said, I can hear you the whole time. And he just followed. I was like, damn. I was like, my voice is that loud? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. And just seeing how this all comes full circle is, is even funnier. As we... Uh, you know, as we mentioned at the top of this thing, we sort of we threw out rookie of the year and threw that term out. Three and first to get there this year. That has to hold a lot of weight in the conversation. We've had some guys enter the promotion and make some waves this year. I would say Yuri Prohashka is one of those guys. Hamzat Shamayev has emerged in a big way after getting two Fight Island wins in 10 days. Honestly, like, where do you think you're at on that list right now? Because you have to be in this discussion, right? I mean... Uh, I'm not, I'm not the the guy who give the 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 decisions or discussions, you know. And I'm like, whatever, man. They, that's why for me, I just think about fighting, you know. Like, okay, like this guy fought three times, four times, cool, man. I wanna, I wanna do me. I wanna fight. Like, I don't know if you guys see me. I was like, I wanna, I wanna bring that regional level, bring it to the high level. Like, I was fighting five times, six times a year. I wanna do that at the high level, you know. And I'm like, we really just be ready you know what's like especially now you know the, these times like i want to i want to stay ready and really prove to myself that i i am doing what i am doing and i am enjoying what i'm doing and that's that's all matters i don't we really, nothing else matters to me beside that so no post post year awards we're not worried about that not even crossing your mind no, at all? We'll, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that after we after, okay. after we win the bell and then we'll be like okay let's go back to that conversation now all right we, we could do that we could do that now after that We'll, we'll hang on to this one. Um, so I assume your plan to move down to 135 is on hold for the time being, considering how this year is going. Five no more. No, it's done. Never? It's a done. Never. It's done deal. Really? When did you make yeah. that decision? So we went to the PI, and then they did the testing on me, and they were like, 35 is doable, but I weighed it in. I was like 134 pounds, just straight muscle, no fat. So for me to make 35, I have to basically be 0% body fat to make 35. And that was not, that was not like, it's just not healthy and not safe, you know? And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to fight only twice a year, you know? And I, I want to fight more than twice a year, especially me. I don't know if you guys, like I, tell, like I said, you know, I like short notices. I love short notices. I don't, I just go and I don't have to think about anything. I just go fight, you know? But that was my thing. And I was like, Talk to the coaches, talk to my manager, talk to my shrink conditioning coach, my nutritionist, and everything. We just decided to stay 45 and just build up more muscle and build up more weight. And that's that's what we've been doing. And and actually, the weight cut was a lot easier this fight than the Jordan Griffin fight because we've been lifting more. And, and, and it was a lot easier, actually. I don't know, because I guess, like, more muscle holds more water, I guess. So it was it was pretty easy, actually. So that was I'm happy about that. And and I'm excited about what's what's coming in for the future and how our body going to change. Wait, did you say – so you said that you made the cut at the PI and got to 134 or is that how they kind no, of like no, no, measured no. it out for you? No, they measured out. Like they did my – they scanned my body okay. and see how much muscle I have and how much fat and, and it was all that. And they were like, yeah, it's like it's doable. But 45, you can take fights any day, no problem. Like you, you, you call me today and I'll take a fight this week. You know, that's – that's how good 45 is, you know, but it just makes no sense, man. Everybody's getting so good at MMA. Like what's the point, you know, like everybody's like getting so good. Like, I don't know if you see, like, you, you know, like, you know how MMA is involving so quick. Like you're not just like one fighter. Like you can't, you can't just be a striker no more. You can't just be a wrestler no more. You gotta be, you gotta be everything. You gotta be like, you gotta learn how to defend and take down. You gotta do jujitsu. You gotta do that. So that's why it makes no sense for us to stay at, 
go at 35, might as well just stay at 45 and just get better at 45. And that's, that's uh, I think, the coaches and everybody decided to do. I think that's a smart decision. I like that. If you don't have to cut that extra 10 pounds, don't cut the damn extra 10 pounds. You're 3-0 and at 45 in the UFC anyway, so what's the point of, of putting that stress into your body i mean you're probably gonna look shredded with zero percent body fat 134 pounds but you're gonna probably oh, feel I'm gonna like, crap. like a, i'm gonna look i'm gonna look like a skeleton i'm like this like sucked in <laughs> showing up the showing up the weigh-ins i'm like no nah, man i'm cool man i want i want to enjoy training i, I don't want to hate training and that's that's what main reason my coach talked to me about it he was like listen man i don't want you to come in here and and focus about your weight and like you're sluggish, you're tired because you're just cutting weight. You've been focused on weight for the past six weeks, seven weeks, you know? Like, what's the point? I can't take short notices at 35. You got to give me at least seven, eight weeks to take 35. So might as well just take the advantage that we have and, and get better over the, uh, at 45 that, than 35. And that's, that's how I felt. I want to enjoy training and I want to enjoy life. I'm sure there's no set timeline for you to get back when the bat phone rings you answer and you say yes that, that that's what we're looking at here oh man i was like i don't know my manager said call me after this weekend and we'll we'll we'll, we'll go we'll try to get a date but for me i was like i don't care man it's like you give me next week two weeks i, I don't care man i was like let's do it i mean you're 23 almost 24 what you turn you turn 24 and like a few weeks right yeah september 4th yeah. yeah so you're just i mean you're just getting started here so i know you're not in like any giant rush to get into the top 15 or in a title contention right now sure you want to get there eventually but you don't need to do so right now but there's a lot of fun fights a lot of intriguing matchups at 145 right now you're not a shot caller but is there anybody in particular you'd like to get in there and have some fun with again for for, for the next fight or you, you just really don't care like you said, man, I really don't care, man. Like, you know, they had they had three, I think, I mean, I don't even know how many featherweights they had in that card. Like, three or four fights, right? I think. I can't remember, but, like, that works, you know? Like, I don't care. Like, whoever they give me, I want to, I just want to keep getting better and better and better, man. That's all I focus on for me is me getting better. Like, like I told you, like, for me, it was like, the last fight was better than the last fight. That's what I, I want to do. Like, this fight that uh peter way better than jordan griffin nah that's what i want like for me to get involved like that and really just like have the time have the ufc case time and that's in the experience and go out there and really really show the new skills and show everybody else what, what we're all about can i can i throw a suggestion your way and get your take yeah. on it for your next fight <laughs> go ahead. okay go ahead. so so a little story here cheap plug Myself and my colleague here at MA Fighting, Alex Kaylee, we host a matchmaking podcast for the website called On to the Next One. It drops Monday mornings after these events, and we matchmake like the main event fighters, the main card winners, maybe the featured prelim winner, and then we each get to select like a wild card pick featuring anybody else that we hadn't talked about yet. So Alex went with that that huge dude, Joaquin Buckley to fight john Phillips because those two powerhouses throwing bombs, that's a lot of fun. But my suggestion, Yusuf, was you was you use of the moroccan devils allow getting a little bit of a bump like nothing crazy but maybe pair you up with another veteran a guy who has history with one of your former opponents being teammates having trained together in the past so my suggestion was a fight between you and jared gordon next he's coming off a dominant win over chris fishgold you're coming off a dominant win you're surging three and zero in 2020 i don't know man out of all the fights <laughs> left over i picked that one what do you think of that that would be a good fight. That 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 would actually be a good fight. It's not like, I mean, I, I didn't watch the last fight actually, but I, yeah, 
you just told me he won, so that's that's pretty cool. But I mean, like, how many how many UFC fights does he have? Probably like eight or nine, maybe ten. He's been around for a little bit. He just got wow. he just he came in as a forty fiver. He took a fight on short notice. He missed weight. Then he fought at fifty five for a while, and he just came back down to forty five and had no corners. All of his corners tested positive for COVID-19. So Paul Felder left the broadcast booth to corner him on Fight Island. That was in Abu Dhabi. That was in Abu Dhabi, yeah. yeah. Oh, I remember that. Oh, yeah. You look great. That was, 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 yeah, that was insane. That was a little insane. No corners, no, oh, God. I don't know what I would do. That would be, that would be shocking right there, bro. You could just corner yourself. I mean, just get in the you opponent's can, head with your with, with with your loud boisterous you, you just, personality. You just gotta get, yeah, you just gotta get out of the cage, grab water, come back in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about all that. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I don't know about all that. No, we we good with that. That'll be a good fight. I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'll be interested in that fight. I think like rankings wise, all of that. I think you're probably right around the same area. I think that makes all the sense in the world. But uh. You know, before we let you go, Yusuf, you are a fight fan as well. UFC 252 is going down on Saturday night. We get Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight title. Final fight of the illustrious career of Daniel Cormier. Who wins it? Who do you think? Man, I think Cormier is going to win this one because it's the, I think the cage is a lot smaller, the, the clinching and the wrestling. And, and I don't know, he's been saying he's about to use his wrestling in this fight. So we'll, we'll see. I, I just... I just don't. I mean, the last fight he was winning. Last fight he was winning until he got overconfident and dropped his hand. But I mean, he's a vet, though, man. I don't. I'm not. I'm not gonna tell him how to fight. You know, that's that's. He's he's been in the game for so long, world champion and all that. So he knows what he's doing, man. And I feel like he he'll be he'll he'll get this one. And I gotta ask you about this. I mean, you, these you're not gonna be dropping at 35, but Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. I am so fired up for this one because cheeto is an absolute Bro. monster and o'malley is becoming one of the biggest stars in the sport right now this fight's been you know in the works for so long now i cannot wait for this fight who do you think wins that one bro that one is a tough fight for me i don't know I, like i mean if he stands on the feet you got sean o'malley and then if he goes on the ground you got tito but tito got some some clinching game he's pretty good at the clinching game too so the only the only difficulties is like if he can find that it close the range, you know. And that's why I would really, I I can't pick. Like I don't I, I just you just never know what can happen, you know. And I was like, like what the hell? Like I don't know what to go with. Am I, am I gonna go with the striker, wrestler, like crazy guy? I don't know. And that's that fight. I'm excited to say to watch that fight. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Like it's fireworks, like you said. And I'm excited to watch that fight. I'm not like a big X's and O's guy. I'm a big. I'm more of a storyline guy and in the interview guy, but. The thing about that fight that at least sticks out to me is that the longer the fight goes, the more it favors Vera. Like if I yeah. think he gets, I mean, once you get past it, if, if Marlon Vera can get to the midway point of the second round, things are going to get really interesting on Saturday night. I agree. I, I agree on that one. Like you said, we'll see how they start up though. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. You know, like is Shadow Mali going to be rushing forward? Is he going to go backwards? You know, who, who knows, you know? And like, and Chito Vera is a very slow starter too. Like I don't know if you've seen, he's he's not a crazy uh, like uh, first round starter. But like you said though, second round, third round, he's he's picking up that pace though. He's a scary individual too. I interviewed him last week, and he tried to be like all humble, but he had this like 
terrifying look in his eye the entire time. And I believe him. I believe he's coming in to hurt Sean O'Malley. I can't wait for that fight. But Yusuf, you are the man. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Congratulations on the win. What a year it has been for you. Continued success. And uh, looking forward to the rest of this Rookie of the Year campaign that you don't really care about. Thanks again, man. <laughs> nah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. How can you not like that guy? I mean, how can you not like him? Great attitude, great young fighter. Again, just getting going. 23, soon to be 24 years old. I like the Jared Gordon fight. I like it. I think it's a good step up. We're not rushing him too fast. I think rankings and meritocracy-wise, they're probably right around the same. So I think that's a, that's a good matchup. The young up-and-comer against the Wiley veteran, give it to me. Give me that fight at 145 pounds. Now, video game fans get excited because the brand new EA UFC game, UFC 4, drops worldwide on Friday. I had the chance to speak with the creative director for the game, Brian Hayes. We talked about some of the changes that have been made compared to games past, UFC games past, that is. And yes, we do discuss the roster as it stands since it's been quite the topic of discussion on Reddit and on social media. So let's get to that right now with Brian Hayes. All right, happy to be joined by Brian Hayes, the creative director for the brand new EA Sports UFC 4 video game that has created a lot of discussion over the past couple of months. Excited to discuss all the changes to the platform and some other questions people have had as well. The game is set for a worldwide release on Friday. Brian, good to see you, man. How are you? I am doing well. Good to see you too. I guess the first question I have is because I don't really know the intricacies of how it all works. I just know that there is a lot that goes into creating these games from, so I guess like from the beginning of, Hey, we're going to do this to the time the game was in its final stages before you guys are getting ready to launch on Friday. How long did it take to develop the game and get it ready to rock for everybody? Uh, well, it's been just over two years since the release of UFC three. So, I mean, just on the calendar, that's how long it took. Now, obviously there's some post-launch development and support stuff that we did for UFC three, like adding roster updates and feature updates and stuff like that. So it wasn't like we got started, the entire team got started on UFC four right away the day that UFC three shipped. Um, but basically, you know, calendar date to date, it's been just over, two years that we've been conceptualizing and iterating and then designing, developing, finaling, bug fixing, and finally releasing UFC 4. Are you like a, a fan of the sport? Are you someone who typically watches the UFC and MMA, et cetera? Uh, yeah, uh, I've been watching uh, combat sports, well, for a really long time. I'm, I, mean, I remember what, renting you know, UFC 1 from a blockbuster video on a VHS cassette tape um, which is just terrifying to, to think about. Um, but yeah, I remember watching UFC one and, and then after watching that going and renting the other ones that were available, uh, at the time, actually my brother also used to, to live in Japan, um, as an English teacher and he would record pride events and send them back, uh, on VHS as well. So I've been watching, you know, mixed martial arts since then. Um, also, you know, along the way, I've been a, a big boxing fan, uh, as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of the sport. Uh, I've, I've never fought or, or really trained to any significant degree because uh, it just hurts too much. Um, but watching it is super fun. Are there any fighters that, like, when they compete, you have to watch them, you can't miss them, and then, in turn, 
being able to develop the character and some of the things that they do in the game. Is there any like specific fighters you love to work on and watch while they compete? Uh, well, I mean, myself personally, like in my role, creative director, I, you know, I don't, I don't do any animation. I don't do any character modeling, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's more like my role is more sort of a broader um, sort of creative direction for the entire title and all that sort of thing. But uh, certainly as a fan, I mean, there's so many fighters out there that are, that are great to watch these days. Um, one of my biggest favorites is, has always been the Korean zombie. Uh, I just think he's fantastic, but um, I was really happy to see Chris Weidman get back in the wind column on the weekend, seeing, seeing a, a Derek Lewis that's watching his diet and is apparently doing a ton of cardio. I have no idea what that means for the heavyweight division. That's just, it's bonkers. Um, obviously, you know, we were talking just before we started recording, you know, Khabib is a monster. He's just incredible to watch all the time. The, the list just goes, there are so many fantastic athletes and fantastic martial artists in the UFC um, that it, it's rare when I won't make time to, to watch a card when it's on, just because there's, there's going to be somebody on there that's got, something to offer that will be interesting to see so uh yeah the big fans of the sport all over the team <laughs> there were i mean there's there's obviously a lot of changes made to this game compared to ufc3 the career mode was was one of the big ones when it came to sort of laying that all out and making it what it is for this particular game what was your mindset the team's mindset when it came to making one's own virtual journey through the fight game as realistic as possible uh that was one of the things on our mind was to try and continue to improve the sense of realism um, in the career mode experience. Um, but definitely one of the things we focused on was that we could see from UFC three um, and previous iterations of the title that career mode was a really popular mode. And so we didn't want to sort of rest on our laurels and just kind of do some minor tweaks and changes and updates. So we really wanted to invest in, and address some of the core player feedback that we'd seen. Um, and one of the, really the, I guess the, the center of it all is we wanted to give players more choice and to make sure that those choices matter. Um, and one of the best examples that we can sort of talk about there was that like in UFC four, you can actually decline fight offers. Now you were never able to do that in our previous iterations. Again, the UFC just said, you're fighting this person next. And you have to say, okay, you went to training camp and on you went. Now there's a system where you can be offered a fight against an opponent that you might not want to fight right now. So you can decline that fight. That opponent might then chirp at you on social media. You can choose how you respond to that, either to, you know, sort of fan the flames or to, you know, actually be respectful and possibly build a training partnership moving forward. Um, if you decline too many fights, you could get kicked out of the UFC altogether and back down to the minor leagues, the World Fighting Alliance, and then have to win some fights there and come back. A whole system of choice and consequence that didn't really exist at all in the previous iterations of the career, but we've, we've added that and it should make the experience uh, a lot more dynamic, a lot more unscripted. And it's all based on the decisions you make throughout your career, which is pretty cool. I love the addition of adding the business aspect to the game. Cause I think that's amazing. And in terms of like overall gameplay in a lot of these fighting games, as, as I'm sure you're well aware of, there's a lot of emphasis on the striking aspect because people love to, virtually punch and kick people in the face. They love knockouts. They just love it. But with MMA, there's just so much more to the sport as everybody knows with takedowns and grappling and submissions, wrestling, et cetera. How important was that for you and your team to enhance that part of the sport into this particular game? Huge. Um, it's always a big focus for us is that, like you said, people intuitively understand, you know, at least throwing hands, right? Um, 
uh, it kicks, you know, if you, if you're not well-trained and you get into a street fight and somebody starts kicking, you're like, Whoa, what, like what happened here? Um, but still people understand, you know, striking on almost an instinctual level, just as, as primates maybe, or something like that. Once you get into wrestling and jujitsu and submissions, it's, it's, it's a pretty, it's kind of a black box. It's, it's nebulous for a lot of people. Um, so making that more accessible, making it easier to understand, um, make it, e- making it easier to play, not necessarily from a gameplay strategy standpoint, but to, to find ways that we can get the controller out of the person, out of the player's way, so to speak, make sure that that's not the opponent you're fighting. Make sure that really you have the, the sense that you're, you're fighting the other person across the, the, the octagon from you. So um, one of the big things was just completely overhauling the clinch game on UFC 4 this year. So taking what is called uh, EA Sports Real Player Motion Technology, which we used on UFC 3 to overhaul locomotion and striking, we took that same technology and then expanded its influence uh, into the striking game. So I'm sorry, into the clinch game. And so the clinch game is a much more intuitive, much more fluid experience of, of the entire game gameplay uh sort of back and forth on ufc4 um where previously it would have been one of the least sort of engaged in phases of the fight if we looked at gameplay telemetry now just from playing the play first trial you know when it came out on friday and seeing how often people are you know grabbing for a clinch looking to throw some quick uppercuts or land some knees and the opponent is able to break out just using locomotion in in an intuitive fashion that's, that's a, a massive change to the game um, that we invest in this year. And it's really based on making sure that one of those elements is kind of tough for people to understand on an instinctual level, clinching and grappling and all that sort of stuff is much more intuitive and much more user-friendly uh, for all players. As a kind of an older gentleman and a fan of the movie Bloodsport, finding out that there would be a kumite environment along with the backyard thing as well as as options. I thought that was a really, really cool addition to this game, especially when you think of some of the fighters who have come through the backyard scene, such as the great, late great Kimbo Slice, Jorge Mazadal, and others. Was that something that you knew you wanted to do right away, or is that something that sort of came to light as the game was being developed? Uh, I mean, I think as, as fans of fighting, uh, and not necessarily just, say, mixed martial arts in the UFC, but fans of fighting sports and fans of you know, sort of fighting lore, so to speak. Um, it's something that probably deep down, a lot of us on the Dillon team, like always wanted, you know, it wouldn't be cool if we could do this, but we were almost a little bit timid about asking the UFC how they would think about like, Hey, what if we put a, you know, Kumite venue in the UFC game? Um, but uh, we, we, we were focusing on creating a, a game this year that really stood apart from its predecessors and including environments like this was a really great opportunity to create something visually distinct that stands out right away for every player. Like the very first time they see an image of the Kumite, they're going to be like, Whoa. Right. And so when we brought it up, we just, we brought it up with the UFC and they said, Hey, that, that makes sense. Um, they've always been, you know, pretty willing partners to, to explore pretty creative ideas with us. So, uh, when they gave us the, okay, we're like, okay, great. Let's, let's look at this. And then the two environments that we went with the Kumite in the backyard, like you mentioned, the backyard has a, a legitimate history and the sort of origins of some of the most popular MMA fighters, you know, to date. And then also you have, you know, for, for a lot of people that you brought up, you know, blood sport, but then you have sort of martial arts cinema, which is also probably for a lot of fighters an origin for their love of martial arts. Like they saw a movie, you know, a Bruce Lee movie, a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, what have you. And they're like, that is freaking cool. (laughs) I want to go learn martial arts. And then, 
that began their journey. So it's two environments that take you to the side of the, you know, the, the arena based sort of UFC octagon and into two locations that are kind of like um, origin stories in the lore of martial arts um, and, and mixed martial arts combat. So we were super stoked to be able to include those in the game this year. Is it kind of cool as a guy who is part of the combat sports world, just in video game and as a fan itself to see Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua in a UFC video game? Uh, yeah, that's it. It's, it's definitely cool. It's, it's imposing. They're both giant individuals. Um, but, uh, it, it's always a nice little wrinkle to be able to add some, some, some athletes from outside the world of the UFC. And just for those mythical matchups, those, you know, fantasy matchups, uh, and include them as a, as a nod to what is also still a, a very compelling and exciting combat sport, uh, the, the world of boxing and, you know, heavyweight boxing's on a resurgence, uh, recently. So, it's nice to be able to tap into that as well. I know that some of the changes that were made for this game were based on feedback from the gaming community and people who played UFC three and others, you know, feedback, criticism, it's a big part of this sport, especially being in, you know, the position I'm in, people love to critique you and do all these things. But in terms of the development stage and putting these games together, how important is that feedback that community when it comes to the next stages of a certain concept of a video game or a series of games i mean it's huge uh it's fan feedback is is vitally important in helping us inform our decision making moving forward uh it, it's not always necessarily shared with us in like you know the the most heartwarming way uh but you got to find the way you know you got to find the, the 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 truth and and the core issues and and uh sort of, you know, separate emotions from it and, and your feelings. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, fan feedback is, is vitally important. Um, that that's what helps us know that, Hey, we, we should look at the clinch game because there's fan feedback. People will tell us, Hey, this isn't fun. But then there's also gameplay telemetry as well, which is just another form of fan feedback. We can look at data from how people are playing the game and see like, nobody's, nobody's doing this. And that's probably because they don't think it's fun. So let's look at that and, and, uh, and improve upon it, et cetera. So, but yeah, yeah, it's certainly listening to the fans um, and trying to, to address their feedback as much as possible. Um, obviously there's, there's, there's no pleasing hundred percent of the people hundred percent of the time, uh, but we, we just uh, do the very best that we can with uh, the time and resources we have. How's the feedback been thus far from those who have gotten the, the early look at it? Uh, depends on when, when you look like, uh, you know, it goes up and down, up and down kind of thing. And it depends on who you talk to. Um, but in general, since the play first trial launched just this past weekend, um, really seeing some really positive feedback, certainly with respect to gameplay. Um, there's a hardcore group of fans that do uh, sort of virtual, uh, events on Twitch. Um, they put one on before the fight card this past Saturday. So I was just watching Twitch. I was watching Twitch UFC fights in ufc4 before the fight card real ufc fights just hours and hours of virtual and real fights um but yeah i mean super talented players uh it's, it, it blows us away every every year within hours of having their hands on the game they're probably all significantly better than almost everybody on the development team how uh, quick these these uh really competitive players pick it up but um yeah so far the the feedback has been you know, really positive, all things considered. Definitely opportunities for us to improve and things to address. And we take that feedback uh, as much as we can. Um, but, uh, but yeah, things are going pretty, pretty good thus far. I'm having so, fun even when I get knocked out. 
There you go. <laughs> so, so, so there are some questions to sort of add to that that I've gotten that I wanted to pass along to you and not sure what you can answer, what you can't, but one of which has to do with the career mode and I'll lay my cards on the table. I've not had a chance to play the game yet, but I've been told that it is quite difficult to rise up the ranks and earn a title shot in career mode. Not saying that it's a good thing or a bad thing. Who am I? But that's one thing that I've heard. Can you address that? Is that it sort of an accurate piece of feedback that it is difficult to get to that title shot or is it just based on the individual division they choose to compete in, et cetera? How does that all work? Uh, that, I mean, that's going to vary from, from, and we've seen this every, every year um, with the career mode experience because there are all levels of players. The, you know, if, if you were to take one of the, you know, competitive players that was fighting on the virtual card on the weekend, they could probably go into career mode on legendary difficulty and it'll just be a cakewalk. They'll just, just slice through every opponent in their path, um, you know, and, and have a title shot faster than, you know, I don't know what. Um, but then, you know, there's other players with it that certainly are on not, not, not that level of skill that they're going to meet with more meet with more challenges facing the AI and all that sort of stuff. So obviously choosing the right difficulty when you start career mode is, is very important making the right decisions in your training camps, uh, you know, what, what, uh, skills and, and attributes you choose to train and improve, um, what, what promotional activities you choose to, uh, interact with in order to drive hype for fights. It's kind of all based on the decisions you make that will either make your career potentially a little bit more challenging or a little bit less challenging. Um, but it's definitely, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to, uh, create an experience like that. That's going to be, the perfect amount of difficulty for every single player out there. But uh, the biggest thing I would say is that if you're having trouble getting to a title shot, um, you, you might want to look at the, at the difficulty that you're playing on. Um, there's like, I play plenty. I just want to, let's be honest. I play plenty of games on easy difficulty. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get gold medals. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to have a good time. So if you're not having a good time, change difficulty. Like, you know, that there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I'm not going to come to your house and be like, Oh, you want it on easy loser like that's not enjoy the game do do what do what you know makes you uh do what makes you happy when it comes to a video game like this so uh that, that's one thing i would look at is uh difficulty options are there for a reason and then we you know we talked about the addition of fury and joshua to the game and you've probably seen this and heard the feedback about this by now but there's been some threads on reddit and, and on social media not just about the fighters who are in the game but the fighters who are not in the game and i know it hasn't been fully released yet but there are some notable names that appear to not be in the game, at least right now. My video game knowledge isn't vast at all, I'll admit, but will some of these guys that, that haven't been added, will they be added? Like, how does that all work? Um, so there's, there's definitely weird, like, regulations, and it's related to, like, the SEC, like, because we're a public, you know, so when we, all I can say is that on UFC 3, it was, part of our post-launch, you know, support and live service plan that we, that we updated the roster with, you know, more fighters. Um, that is certainly going to be our approach to uh, UFC four as well. Um, but for those weird reasons that are somehow related to being a publicly traded company and the securities <laughs> exchange commission or something like that, um, there's the, the official announcement is like about what fighters and when, I, I just always avoid saying that until somebody in has cleared that sort of stuff. But yes, updating the roster um, with uh, with additional fighters is something we've done consistently uh, on the franchise, and we will be continuing to do so on UFC Four. 
All right. So there you go, people. Now, you know, this is how it all works. But, uh, you know, t- to you, you know, what is this le- what is this week like for you? Like it's release week for the game on a worldwide basis. It's fight week for the Daniel Cormier's and Steve Amiatich's of the world. I'm not saying they're they're the same thing here, but how do you sort of approach it? What goes through your mind as the actual release inches closer and closer? Uh, just, I uh, just, we just hope things go well, man. Just hope, hope no weird, you know, technical fire. I'm actually, I knock on wood. This is wood. Uh, no weird technical fire pops up and, you know, and, and things go, go squirrely and everybody has to jump on and start, you know, a- addressing some crazy bug, but things have looked really good since, since we started to play first trial, we had a closed beta for, for, uh, technical sort of, uh, uh, verification reasons. So things are going pretty good. It's really just an anticipation, you know, like the more people get their hands on the game um, and, you know, the more we can look forward to positive feedback, you know, people having a good time, obviously the current situation all over the world, like anything you can do to possibly bring a little bit of light and joy and, and pleasure into, into people's lives is, is a great, great opportunity. So yeah, just anticipation. Hopefully when people get their hands on the game, start playing, they enjoy the changes we made, the the features we've added. Um, and when they have feedback for us that we can address, hopefully we can, we can get to it, but yeah, it's really just anticipation. Well, I know a lot goes into developing these games, Brian, more than I could ever possibly fathom if we're being honest, but I'm very happy for you and everyone over at, at EA Sports as this game gets its worldwide release on Friday. It seems like you've addressed the needs from the community and that's great on you and great on the team. So congratulations on the pending launch on everything else and all the best this week and beyond. Thank you for the time, Brian. Hey, thank you very much, man. Have a good day. As I told Brian, I don't know much about video games. I'm an old school guy. Like I was a Madden guy back in the day. And even that was probably like a little newer school than, than I really liked. I mean, I did enjoy the Tiger Woods games when those were coming out. My favorite video game of all time. And this just kind of shows my throwbacky old school, old man ways. It's Mike Tyson's punch out. Greatest video game of all time. I mean, visually compared to some of the games that come out now, it's not as like, high depth it's not as realistic looking but in terms of gameplay and fun and a challenge too mike tyson's punch up the real deal i love that game so much i would play that game right now over anything else it was just so damn good that's how much i like that game i remember my freshman year in college my buddy brought in his old nintendo and, and mike tyson's punch out i didn't sleep for a week <laughs> just i would go to class go to baseball practice and then i'd play mike tyson's punch out between that and, and 24, there were a few weeks there that I didn't sleep in college, but that's why things didn't work out in the collegiate level. But uh, we're about to get out of here. Throw it to the replay of my chat with Colby Covington if you miss it on Tuesday night. Always appreciate you guys and gals checking out the show each and every week. I am working my ass off here trying to bring you the good, sweating profusely right now. It's been that kind of a day, so I hope you're enjoying what we're trying to do here ufc 252 coming up on saturday night we will have you covered all week long live from las vegas nevada the fight capital of the universe press conference with stipe in dc later on today thursday today is thursday as you're seeing this for the first time weigh-ins on friday preview show fights on saturday all the coverage there post-fight show etc we got you all right we got you covered mmafighting.com big shout out to casey Lyon on the production who might be a little pissed at me right now that these segments came in oh so late this week. It was it's just been a long week. So big shout out to him for his patience. Big shout out to Esther Lynn on the graphics as always. 
It's an honor to work with two of the very best, not just in MMA, but in all of sports. Trying to build the dream team here at MMAfighting.com. As always, have a heck of a week, everybody. Now, here's my chat with the one, the only, Colby Chaos Covington. We'll see you on Saturday, everybody. Colby Covington back on the show and everyone keeps asking when's Colby coming back on. So request granted Colby. Good to see you as always, man. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. It's, it's so good to be back, Mike. I always enjoy talking to you. One of the real ones, one of the, one of the last of a dying breed of, of impartial journalists who are not biased, you know? So I respect your opinion and, and I, and I look forward to chatting today. I always look forward to chatting with you as well. As always, a lot to discuss with you, Colby, but let's get right into the main thing people want to know. And as a longtime pro wrestling fan yourself, you may appreciate this comparison, but there was this old episode of, of Piper's Pit right before WrestleMania 3, and he straight up asked Hulk Hogan, are you or are you not going to fight Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3 for the title? And Colby, as you know, in the MMA world, the news cycle is a buzz right now that the long-awaited grudge match between you and Tyron Woodley is being targeted for September 19th. So... Are you or are you not fighting Tyron Woodley on September 19th? You know, as America's champ, as the people's champ, as Donald Trump's favorite fighter, you know, there's a there's a thing that Donald Trump patented, and that's promises made, promises kept. So I don't want to come on here today, Mike, and lie to you and say that it's going to be a for sure thing because I don't know. I don't know if Tyron Woodley's going to show up. You know, I was willing to fight him on four days notice last time. So I'm always ready to show up to fight him. It could be a week's notice. You know, I signed a, I gave a verbal agreement to fight him August 22nd. He didn't want to show up. Apparently, you know, he, he low T testosterone Woodley, you know, he has to do some juice. He has to juice up to get ready to go to fight me. And supposedly now he's given his verbal agreement for September 19th. But let's be honest, Mike, there's no way I can give you a guarantee because there's no contract in writing. The ink has not dried. So I hope it happens. I'm ready to go, but I can't give you a definite answer that it will happen on September 19th. Do you feel confident that it will happen? Because I feel like we're further along now than we have been in the past. To be honest, no, man. This has been such a such a runaround to try and fight Tyron Woodley for the last four or five years. It's just the guy's making excuses. He's getting elective surgeries. You know, oh, he needs more time for training camp. He's doing this. He's doing that. You know, you would think with all the, the running and dodging he's done for me, Mike, that he would have this insane cardio. But no, he's getting gassed out by school teachers on some gladiator reality show. <laughs> I mean, you, you've wanted this fight for so long now, and there have been times that we've spoken. It was like, I think it was right after the Gilbert Burns win over Woodley that you, you thought the ship may have sailed at this point. And then the last time I talked to you, it kind of got reeled back in. And now that there's a targeted date here, it seems like you're allowing yourself to not get too excited for it. Kind of a more of a wait and see thing. So on a scale of one to 10, where are we at right now? Are we at like a six or a seven or are we lower than that? Uh, yeah, I would say we're at a six or a seven. You know, I'd say that's an accurate assessment. I would say, uh, you know, if we were taking football terms, we're, you know, we're at the 40 yard line, we're coming up on the 30 yard line. So we're getting close. We're not inside the red zone yet. You know, nothing's been signed. You know, there's still some terms that, you know, the UFC told me that they're going to do, but you know, they haven't sent me anything and I haven't seen a contract. So until I see that, you know, 
I've agreed to fight. I want to fight him. I wanted to fight him August 22nd in main event in Vegas, but, you know, he needed a little bit more time for training camp. You know, I know he wants to make sure he can juice up and be the best he's ever been. It's not going to make a difference, though. So, you know, I'm hoping it gets put together. I hope he shows up, man. I'm not going to be excited or give you a definite answer until we're locked in that octagon and I, and I see him across the octagon. Fair enough. What, what kind of terms are we talking about here? Uh, just little terms, you know, some terms that the UFC said that, you know, that they were going to accommodate with me with, you know, little things, first class travel, you know, so, some sweets, you know, I, I am raw American steel and twisted sex appeal. You know, I got to I got to make sure that my body and mind are, are living good on fight week. And, you know, I've earned this right to be, you know, in this position as the main event fighter and, and the fighter that's drawing all the clout for this fight and and selling this fight. So. You know, just some little things, you know, the UFC already agreed to me with, but they haven't sent me over a contract with those terms on their agreement. So, you know, I'm just waiting for that. But I'm easy. The UFC knows I'm easy. I love to fight. This is my passion. It's what I love to do. So, you know, I want to get out there and fight. It doesn't matter if it's on a week's notice, if it's on a day's notice. I'm always ready to go. Tyron has lost his last two back-to-back five-rounders to Kamaru Usman and then to Gilbert Burns, and you have to believe that, you know, I'm a positive thinker. I'm, 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 I'm reeking of positivity right now that this fight is going to happen on September 19th. So you got to believe his back's against the wall here. And if there's one fight that's going to get him going, it's probably this one. Do you think, you know, on September 19th, let's just say this is, this all happens and goes smoothly that he's going to come in with a little bit of a different approach, some more aggression. Maybe, maybe he fights a little more emotional because his rivalry has gotten so personal. There's no doubt about it. You know, this, this rivalry is beyond personal. You know, this is for bragging rights for the rest of our lives. You know, there's no doubt that, you know, fighting me, he's going to get the the biggest adrenaline and, and the biggest, you know, just uh, motivation and, and inspiration to come out here and try and knock me out. You know, I mean, this fight sells in so many different ways. You know, we used to be teammates, you know, the, the Republican liberal angle, you know, the, the, the hatred we, we genuinely have for each other. So I think we're going to see the best time on Woodley we've ever seen in this fight. And, you know, speaking of his last two fights, you know, those guys, yeah, they beat him on the judges scorecards. This fight ain't going to the judges scorecards. I'm going to leave no doubt. I am the best welterweight in the world. I'm going to add another world champion to my resume, my, my long list of amazing resume that I already have. And I'm going to finish him. It's not going to the judge's decisions. I promise you that. He will get left unconscious inside that octagon. Since you've been preparing for a short notice opportunity, how much of an advantage do you think that gives you since, you know, you've been getting ready nonstop for the last several months and you're probably as fresh as I guess a fighter can be ahead of a training camp or a, a hopeful training camp here? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't, Mike, because, you know, on the same token, you know, I was preparing so hard in training camp to to fill in for the Marty fake newsman fight in case something went wrong there. And, you know, I, I put my body through the grind. And so I, I've kind of had to pull back these last couple of weeks, you know, Hey Colby, you know, take it easy. You know, you went two, three a days every single day for eight weeks training for that world title fight and it didn't come to fruition. So, you know, now it's time to take a little step back, you know, give your body and mind a little break, a little relax, and then we'll get back to hard training. So, you know, it's just it's just understanding the process and understanding your body and just just being very in, intelligent with your body. Some guys, they just run into the ground and they don't understand that, you know, you're not going to get a lot out of your body if you just continuously run it into the ground every day. You know, you need to have off days. You need to have days where you just kind of let loose and and you just free. So I've just kind of taken a step back the last couple of days and, and just kind of relaxed. And, and as soon as this fight gets locked and sealed, you know, I'll be back in training camp again.
Obviously, the win is first and foremost, but with this fight with Tyron, you've been hoping it would happen for years now. What is the goal on September 19th outside of just getting the win and, you know, I guess just proving that you're the top welterweight in the world? Is there like a certain kind of finish that you're shooting for? Like, what is the main goal that'll satisfy you walking out of that octagon on September 19th if all goes well and this fight actually happens? If Tyrone Woodley does not leave the octagon on September 19th live on ESPN on a stretcher, then I didn't do my job, Mike. Fair enough. We saw um, Gilbert Gilbert Burns become the number one contender after he beat Woodley. If you're able to do exactly that and send Tyron out on a stretcher, does that put you in the position to fight the winner of Usman versus Burns? Is there a chance that that would you would jump the queue here? Is that possible? You know, I, th- I think the fight's going to speak for itself. I think that the fans are going to speak up and, and they're going to realize the way I the way I finish Tyrone Woodley and the way I leave him motionless inside that octagon, there will be no doubt who the best fighter in the world is. You know, those those guys, yeah, they beat him in decisions, but none of them finished Tyrone Woodley. I go out there and finish Tyrone Woodley, Woodley. I cement myself as the best welterweight in the world and I cement myself for the next welterweight title shot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Will the beef ever be squashed between the two of you guys? If you guys go in there and have a battle, you finish the man, is it is it over? Is it just going to continue on for forever and ever here? No, th- this is a real beef, Mike. This isn't some manufactured beef like like Marty Fake Newsman and Street Judas Masvidal tried to do, you know, where they're, they're hugging at the end of the fight. Oh, bro, I love you. Good job. We made some money and we duped the fans and we tricked them all. This ain't that. Me and Tyrone Woodley genuinely hate each other and we want to kill each other. And, that, and that's what's going to be inside the octagon. And when the business is finished, I got nothing to say to him. The only thing I'll probably say to him is, you know, I hope your mom's not watching. Mama Woodley, don't watch this fight. You don't want to see your, your son go unconscious in that octagon on September 19th. But let me give you one thing, Tyrone. Because I know you're sponsored by that whack other energy drink. Here's my last piece of friendly advice for you. Get some bang energy. Stop putting that voodoo, that garbage in your body that you're getting. I'm not even going to say the whack-ass sponsor that you do for the energy drink. You need to get with the best. You need to get with bang energy. What you put in is what you get out. If you want to be the best like me, put in bang energy. Take that sip, man. With the... Uh... With the COVID restrictions, international travel is is much harder to come by. And so seeing your old friend Mark Goddard as the third man in the cage would be very unlikely, I would guess. Who knows how things will look in a month. But as part of, like, the perks that you're looking for in this contract, is that Mark not be anywhere near this fight since you've had your issues with him coming out of the Usman fight? Yeah, 100%. You know, the UFC knows that – I'm not. I, I'm not going to ever be in the same room, let alone building as him ever again. Mark Not So Goddard is not allowed at any fight I'm ever at. He can stay home and fucking in England, you know, at that anti-Brexit piece of shit. No more fucking me over, dude, man. And no one can say anything because he's so inconsistent with his calls. He calls the early stoppage on me. The next week he lets Frankie Edgar die. The other week he's letting he's taking away three points. The next week he's letting another guy die. And then the next week he, he's just so inconsistent. He's not a real ref. He's an impartial ref. He's a ref that's getting paid off to to you know take fights. You know to 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 pretty much you know let guys cheat. And, and it's it's not right. It's corrupt. And you know I. If I see that guy, I promise you, Mike, I'm not going to be able to hold back. I, you know, I'll probably end up in jail, and you know, it'll be worth it just to put a mark on that dude's face. Speaking of Usman, you came on the show after the fight with Jorge Masvidal was made official, and you said, "Bet Kamara Usman, bet the house on him. It's the easiest money you'll ever make." 
Was this the easiest money you ever made? Did you make some some money off Kamara Usman? Yeah, I made ten thousand dollars. The easiest ten thousand I've ever made, you know. And and I try to tell the people. I gave them the warning, you know. I told them what was going to happen and how it was going to happen. That's exactly what happened. He exposed the journeyman, you know, the street Judas Jorge Masvidal. You know, he's all hype. He was this lightning and thunder. And then, you know, I called it exactly what he was going to say. His excuse was already built in. Oh, I only had six days notice. Oh, I had to cut 20 pounds. Dude, you don't cut 20 pounds. You came up from lightweight, dude. You're, you're, you probably weigh 180 soaking wet, dude. That's an easy cut. And guess what, George? You didn't come in on a week's notice because Dustin Sorier, your training partner, is the one that exposed you in front of the whole world. Dustin came out in an interview the week of the fight, said, oh, George was in training camp for me versus Hooker the whole time. He's been training the last three months like he had a crystal ball, like he knew the fight was going to happen. So there's no excuses, man. That fight plays out 10 times out of 10 the same exact way that it did. It would be an ultimate footsie championship, and that's what the UFC stand for that night in that fight. It'd be an ultimate hugging match. They're kissing each other, yelling sweet nothing in each other's ears. It was a joke. I feel bad for the people that paid their harder money to watch that. That's not fighting. Did you actually watch the fight? Because you said you weren't going to, but did you give it and actually give it a give it a look on that night? Nah, I, I was too busy, you know, working on my bedroom cardio. You know, I had a couple Miami mamacitas in the building. So, you know, we were doing better things, man. I, that doesn't entertain me to watch, you know, other guys fight. That's just boring to me. You know, I could care less. So, you know, I'm out enjoying my life and living the American dream every single day with all my South Beach mamacitas. Regardless of, you know, what you say about Mazadal, that he's he's thunder and lightning and such, he's still, you know, he's still a star right now. People are paying to watch him compete. So if they give him another title shot, full camp, no short notice, you know, all that stuff, how would you react if he got another title shot before you got yours? I would just laugh. I would say, you know, okay, you, you know, you guys want to pay this man for for what? He's all hype, dude. He's got 15 losses. The dude, the only title that Jorge Masvidal has ever had is for losing for a guy in every single weight class. He's lost to flyweights. He's lost to Sun Tzu at 135. He's lost to 45ers. He got knocked out by the Rodrigo Dan. Knocked out by 55ers. Palomino, you know the 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 Russian dude, beat him up. He's dude. He's got so many losses on his record. It's even hard to keep track with him anymore. Yeah, he hit lightning in a bottle. You know, he went on a 50. He finally got the 50-50 in the last couple years on his record. But you know, he's all hype and and he's built off all hype and you know that that's just a marketing machine. You know. But if they want to give him the fight, you know, I think the fans are going to know that they're being fooled. They're going to know that the UFC is just trying to cash in on money. They're, they're not trying to put the two best fighters up against each other and let's watch fireworks go off because that's not going to be fireworks. It's just going to be a, a patty cake and footsie again. If the UFC kind of goes with the plan here and moves forward with Usman versus Burns, how do you see that one playing out? You know, I don't even know who that Dilbert guy is. I've, I've never heard of Dilbert. I don't know what a Dilbert is. Uh, you know, Marty Fake Newsman, who knows what that guy's doing? Who knows if he ever comes back to fight? You know, he might have just had that cash grab against the, the hype machine, Street Judas Mosfidal, and, and he's sailing for the seas, man. He's got nothing else less to do in this sport. So who knows if he comes back? He's already making excuses. Oh, I got to take my daughter. I'm going to be out for this long, and I don't want to fight. So... You know, I don't know. I, I could care less what happens in that fight. I'm just focused on my fights and, and giving the people what they want. They want entertainment. They want action. And they want real fights. They don't want footsie. So that's why I'm here to save the day and make UFC and the welterweight division great again. How's Colby Covington Inc. going right now? Are we getting closer to unveiling more information on that? 
Man, Colby Covington Incorporated is going so smoothly right now. Like, everybody thinks I'm just on the streets, and, you know, they're entitled to think what they want. You know, I think more will be unveiled when uh, we actually get the fight signed and, and we're actually talking about the fight. But until then, you know, I had a board meeting the other day with Donald Trump Jr., you know, and I was just talking to him about things. And, you know, I had another board meeting today with Candace Owens, and, you know, we're just chatting about things, making sure we're on the same page, and making sure CCI, Colby Covington Incorporated, is moving along smoothly. So the best is yet to come for us. You haven't seen anything yet. Oh yeah, you didn't you do like a like a live chat thing with with one of the Trumps? Was it Donald Jr. or was it Eric? I wasn't really sure. It's probably like three weeks, a month ago, maybe. Am, am I imagining that? No, you you're you know you're imagining that accurately. Uh, we had <laughs> you know me and Donald Trump Jr. had a, a little chat about two or two and a half weeks ago on his podcast. Triggered, you know, got about five million views. Uh, it's, it's a big platform and, and you know, just, it, it's always cool to just catch up with Don and just hear from him and all the, all the just fake news and all the, just the swamp that he has to navigate, man. I just, I really feel for him and his family. And, you know, I can't thank the Trump family enough for what they do for America. They're fighting, they're fighting back, man. They're fighting for the American people. And people don't realize that, man. China's trying to overtake America and the liberals right now. And, and nobody's seeing that, man. They're just reading what they they see on the internet and what they see on the news and they just believe it, you know, without thinking for themselves. So I wish people would just wake up and, and, and have an opinion and think for themselves for once. Have you chatted with Dan Lambert recently at all? No, I haven't had any communication with Dan, you know, still got tons of respect for him, tons of love. You know, he's still a mentor to me, still a good friend to me. You know, I'll cherish the memories we had together for the rest of my life. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have a chat again soon and, you know, we'll catch up. You know, who knows? We might be in WWE one day together and, you know, that'll be that. But, you know, this, there's no hard feelings. There's no bad blood. It's, it's nothing but love for Dan Lambert. I know you don't watch a ton of fights. You like to bet on some fights, make a couple bucks. You said you have other things to do behind closed doors. But Stipe versus DC3 is coming up on Saturday. Final fight of Daniel Cormier's illustrious career. Does this fight interest you at all on Saturday night? Yeah, it definitely interests me, but interesting me and getting me to watch it are two different things. You know, I won't be watching it. I got, I got better things to do. You know, I'm going to enjoy my weekend, my weekend of freedom here in America, the, the freest country of all because of the brave, you know, all our servicemen out there. Thank you to every service member out there that puts their life on the line. You know, war, there is no, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, there's no holidays for war. War is year round, man. It's a 24 seven thing. And these guys are protecting our, our rights, you know, our constitutional rights that we have in America. They're protecting them every day. And, you know, those guys don't get enough credit, but, you know, back to the fight, you know, I got a lot of admiration and respect for Daniel Cormier. You know, he's, he's a legend of a career. You know, I, I made an Instagram post about him a year or two ago, calling him the natty goat. And I really do feel like he is the natty goat. And by that, I mean, natty as in natural, he's the natural greatest of all time. You, you see all these other guys that they try and compare the goats. Yeah. These are all guys that did steroids. So let's talk about natural. And, and that's what Daniel is. He's the embodiment of uh, just a good person and a good soul. And, you know, I wish him well this weekend. You know, Stipe is another, you know, great person too. You know, he's a firefighter. He's a first responder. So I got to give a lot of love to him and what he does for the people of his city and, and around the world. So, you know, I wish those guys the best. You know, I, it's tough to really pick a fight because or pick a winner because they're both pretty good guys. But, you know, if I had to pick a winner, I'd probably go with D.C. Yeah, the smaller octagon, all things involved, last fight. I mean, I'm a storyline guy. You're a pro wrestling guy yourself, so storylines are huge. Uh, so as far as you go, 
verbals are in place for September 19th. Nothing has been signed yet. We're still awaiting on that. You know me, Colby. I'm a believer that anybody could be watching at any time. What's the message for, for Tyron Woodley here? Show up, man. We know you're cloud chasing on the internet right now. We know you're looking for a couple likes, a couple extra followers, because your career is about to be dead after you meet up with me. So show up, man. You were supposed to show up August 22nd. You didn't want to do that. You needed a little more time. September 19th, you called your shot. Come get it, boy. It's been long brewing for many, many years. Come see me, motherfucker. We're going to find out who the best is. And after I get done with you, you're not going to be recognizable to your family. And we know you're just showing up for that paycheck to to pay all those those mouths you got to feed because we know you got kids with multiple wives and multiple women. So, you know, show up. Last thing before I let you go, probably like an hour and a half, maybe two hours before we hit record here, Joe Biden selected Kamala Harris as his running mate to go against Donald Trump. What do you make of this move? And uh, did you see this? Uh, you know, of course, Joe Biden had to get someone that was black because, you know, the, he's not going to get the black vote because if and, and to quote, this is quoting Joe Biden, you're not black if you vote for President Trump. That's exactly what he said. So, you know, he, he killed the black vote. He's not going to get the black vote. And he's racist. He's blatantly racist. He said multiple times in interviews. Oh, the black, you know, he was talking the other day about, you know, all oh, the blacks and this and that. They're not anything like the Spanish or something like that. And it's just like, dude, you shoot yourself in the foot every time you talk. Everybody knows Joe Biden's a puppet. He's a puppet for all the big tech companies, all the all the liberal people in Hollywood, all the all the people that are controlling him, you know. But you know, you can control him all you want, but but America sees the truth. They see the truth that Joe Biden's stuck in his basement and he won't come out and give an answer. Or, or do interviews like with a guy like you or anybody because, you know, he doesn't have a teleprompter and, and they're not going to be answers that, you know, he already have, has up on the board that he can look at. So, you know, Joe Biden's going to get exposed in the election. And yeah, they're trying to keep the economy down right now. And they're trying to do this fake pa- pandemic with this, this BS coronavirus stuff. And they're just doing that. It's just a, a hit at Donald Trump and people don't even see that. They can't open up their eyes. You know, what's different from coronavirus versus the regular flu? The regular flu kills times six many people. When did we ever shut the country down and have to put masks and take away our freedoms and put masks on our face? No, we never had to do that. So, you know, I, I wish people would stop being cheap, wake up, make a decision for yourself, and, and please do not vote Joe Biden. Because if you vote for Joe Biden, America will never be the same. It will be owned by China. There you go. Paid for by uh, Colby Covington right there. A little political advice to, to wrap things up. Always appreciate the time, man. You're always very gracious with it. And, you know, you got things to do. All the best to you. Hopefully this fight happens on September 19th, man. I know everyone's looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to getting back in there. But uh, Colby Covington Incorporated seems to be alive and well here heading into September 19th, hopefully. So thank you for the time as always, man. My brother. Thank you, Michael. Have a, have a great day and we'll catch up soon. Really? Spider-Man, what's up, brother? <laughs> You've been that waiting. <laughs> yeah, it's my seven-year-old. That's awesome. You've been waiting. You've been waiting how long for this? You were sitting at the stairs for the last like ten minutes, just <laughs> waiting and sneaking around trying to get in. There. Yeah, I was trying to sneak from you because I was trying to see if you can see him or not. You want to say hi to Colby Covington? Yeah. Say hi. Hi. Hey, what's up, buddy? What's your name? What's your name? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs>
Spider-Man. You know, I'm wearing the mask right now, so I am Spider-Man. So you're, you're living that, that moment right now. That's Grayson, by the way. That's his real name. Mm-hmm. Nice All to right, meet bud. you, Grayson. All right, thanks, man. I appreciate it, brother. Take care. Absolutely. Have a great day. Later, man. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.